Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host as always, Daniel Levy, your co-host Shaq. We're going to be talking UFC Lincoln, James Vick versus Justin Gaethje. And Shaq, it's going down this Saturday. James Vick in his first main event spot. He's fighting one of the most exciting fighters in the history of the sport, Justin Gaethje. And you know for a fact they're going to go to war this Saturday. Yeah, for sure. This is a great fight. Both guys have uh, been talking a lot. And so we're going to see who uh, gets to live up live up to the hype, live up to their words. And uh, let's see who you know moves forward in the lightweight division. The lightweight division is the glamour division of the UFC. And uh, let's see who's really about that life. Man, it's going to be unbelievable because, you know, Gaethje, first of all, two of his three UFC fights have been main events. All three of those fights, he's gotten performance bonuses, fight of the nights. The guy is racking in that cash. But with James Vick, he's got literally the exact same UFC record as Conor McGregor right now. He's 9-1. He's had 10 UFC fights. He's won nine of them. Now it's his chance to get that 10th win, but it's not going to come easy against a guy like Justin Gaethje. Yeah, for sure, and he definitely deserves his main event spot. He's got some solid wins at lightweight, and uh, now he gets uh, the chances that he's been asking for. And, man, lots of things have been announced since the last time we spoke. Obviously, Poirier is fighting Diaz, and, you know, initially I wanted him to sit back and wait for that title shot, but if there's a next best option, it's got to be the fight with Nate Diaz. I mean, that's a money fight, Shaq. Yeah, and, you know, to get a title shot at lightweight is pretty fucking impossible man so it's i mean you had to take the next best thing the next best thing was diaz it's a money fight co-main event madison square garden on pay-per-view he's gonna get a percentage of the pay-per-view so it was definitely the right uh business move and uh you know nate's coming off a layoff but we see nate come off layoffs and look good before so that's gonna be a great fight yeah it's really interesting obviously mma math doesn't mean shit but nate diaz last two wins are actually the last two people to defeat dustin poirier and on dustin poirier's side Obviously, you see what kind of numbers he's been putting up since he moved up to the UFC lightweight division, especially now, the last few performances, he's been looking like a UFC championship caliber fighter, and as he likes to say, paid in full, he has no problems paying extra dues to get that title shot because he truly believes in deep in his heart that uh, he's going to be a world champion one day. Yeah, for sure, man. And, you know, these uh, wins over guys like, you know, Eddie, Gaethje, Diaz, back to back to back. I mean, uh, and Pettis, you know, those are uh, those are those are big things. So, you know, Diaz is pretty much a top five pay-per-view draw these days. So we uh, it's a, it's just going to, you know, if he does win, it's going to be good for his resume. And two more things before we get into this card, because obviously it's a great card. But firstly, it just got announced. Santiago Ponzinibbio. He's headlining the first ever UFC event in Argentina. He's taking on Neil Magny now. Obviously, we're going to give our predictions when the time comes, but do you think there's going to be some eye pokes to the chin in this fight, man? Yeah, or, or a fist to the chin, you know. <laughs> or, <laughs> you know, it really doesn't matter, but, uh, you know, Magny, you know, I feel like Magny's always got a, a bad rap, you know, but Magny wins a lot of fights. Magny beat uh, the number one contender at, uh, at middleweight, so, you know, uh, Magny does his job a lot, but we do know Pons uh, for a while is one of these low-key guys that's been putting on a lot of work, and he's come a long way, so it's going to be a great fight in Argentina. You know, I'm sure they're, they're trying to set Neil Magny up here, but uh, we'll see if it actually happens. And last but not least, uh, you know Michael Chandler had the chance to come to the big show. He was a free agent, and you know I personally think he made the right move sticking with Bellator, you know, because look, in the UFC, don't get me wrong. It'd be exciting to see him. I'd love to see Michael Chandler fight and test himself against the best. But, you know, between you and me, man, he wouldn't be past a, a top 30 guy in the UFC. I mean, the guy lost to Will Brooks twice. I don't, I don't need to say that again. But in Bellator, he's going to be top three for life. And, you know, he gets paid fat every time he fights. So I kind of think from a business standpoint, he made the right move, Shaq. 
you know, uh, I mean, it's all about uh, what he wants, you know. I mean, it's all about the money. And he said uh, wherever he goes, had to show him the money. So Bellator showed him the money, plain and simple. We know that, uh, you know, I'm not sure who his manager is, but I know he's not managed by Ali. And, you know, uh, Ali gets those guys coming over 100 to show. I don't know if Chandler was going to get that. So, you know, it's all about that money. Um, If he would have came over, I think he could have beat some guys for sure. But I thought he would have lost to some guys as well, you know. um, it is what it is, but uh, we'll get to see him. I mean, he's got to win his Bellator title first. So, And you bring up some really good points about Ali. I know people love to talk shit about him, but one thing they never mention is that uh, all of his fighters are getting six figures to show, man. So if you want that big figure deal, I mean, it is what it is. Um, you know, to each his own. But man, uh, you know, these guys like Gaethje, he's one and two in the UFC. You know he's getting six figures to show, so... That's uh that's pretty impressive management. He takes an L here, he's gonna be one and three. I guarantee you he still gets hundred K to show his next fight. So, you know, that's uh some top skill uh negotiation. So good for him. But let's do this car start to finish, man. Cause first up in the Bantamweight division, we got Hani Yaya. He's minus one twenty. The comeback on Luke Sanders is plus one hundred. It's an interesting matchup, Shaq, because Ronnie Yaya, you know, he's low key, got an unbelievable UFC record. He's ten and three. The guy's a total winner, high level black belt. Luke Sanders, I'll tell you what, man. The kid can crack. He's got a very dangerous left hand. He's got the wrestling background. He has made some bonehead mistakes inside the octagon, but I feel like once we see that finished product, he, he's pretty talented. It's just about not uh, making a stupid decision in there. So I got to ask you, can Luke Sanders neutralize Haniaya? Yeah, you know, uh, Luke Sanders has always had potential. He was a guy I was really high on even before he got to the UFC. But, you know, he did make those uh, boneheaded mistakes, like you mentioned, against Yuri and against uh, Andre Sukumtaj. You know, he's got the physical tools, the big power, good wrestling. He can, uh, you know, sprawl out and, you know, really pound on guys. And like you said, that left hand and, you know, like you said, Hani's 10 and 3. And, you know, we know the deal with Hani's going to be relentless with the attempts to get you to the mat. And, you know, Hani, uh, you know, I feel like he gets a reputation for being an on-top jujitsu guy. But, I mean, even his bottom game's on point, too, man. His bottom game, he can uh, reverse you. He can uh, pull guard and come around to the back. So, I wouldn't sleep off Hani on his back. The thing with Luke Sanders, I mean, you know, in his losses, he, you know, continuously loses focus. But, you know, his last fight, he kept his focus for three rounds. I know it was against a, a jobber and um, Patrick Williams. But in this fight, he's definitely going to have to keep his focus. I think if he shows up, I think there's a chance he could really hurt Hani. You know, I feel like if Hani gets caught out in space with Luke, I feel like it could be a rough night. I know Hani's stand-up is improving, but it's still nothing that he really confidently uh, believes in. You know, it's just all it's all in attempts to get you to the map. But, you know, another thing is, even though with all that being said, if Hani does get on top, I mean, you got to be holding your breath because uh, <laughs> this guy uh, – this guy is a high-level black belt. But granted, you know, the guys he's been subbing lately, I mean, no offense, but, you know, those guys are snowflakes. You know, Russell Doan, uh, Henry Briones, you know, those guys don't win fights. So, you know, uh, it, it's going to be interesting. But my pick is going to be Luke Sanders. I think he's going to be too physical, too big. I think uh, Hani's going to try to get him down, and he might get him down a couple times. Patrick Williams did take him down. But I think when Luke Sanders really clips Hani, I think Hani's going to feel it. And that's when the uh, Brazilian weasel will kick in. He's going to be trying to pull pull guard. If but if Luca keeps his focus, I think he's going to you know stay out of his guard, keep it on the feet, and really hurt him, and either knock him out or win a decision. Man, Luke Sanders fights. 
are super tough to predict for me, man, because like like we've been mentioning, I mean, the guy's got power. He's got the wrestling background. He's dating Becky Lynch. I mean, he's got he's doing the whole bit, but when it comes to fighting inside that octagon, you know, I know people will bring up the Andre Sukumtut fight and the Yuri Alcantara fight, but I honestly don't think that those are really relevant in this spot because Ronnie Yaya isn't a counter-striker like Andre Sukumtut. And I also don't think that Hani Aya can take the beating that Yuri took and then come back and find the submission. I think if Rani Aya is going to win this fight, he's got to set the tone right away, Shaq. He's got to go in there. He's got to mix in the takedowns. He's got to pass that guard. He's got to discourage Luke Sanders. He's got to let him know, hey, this is how heavy I am on top. And uh, if you stay on your back for extended periods of time, I will pass that guard and I will tap you out. And Hani's been going in there. He's been tapping out some... Uh, some pretty tough dudes, his last few fights. I mean, I know Henry and Russell, you know, you can say whatever you want, but I mean, Tanaka's a pretty tough guy. Matthew Lopez is a pretty tough guy. Now, there have been some controversial decisions there too. The, the kind of horrified, I kind of thought he lost. But look, man, none of that matters. He got his arm raised. And the interesting thing about him is he'll go out there and he'll lose to the worst fighters. You know, you see him go out there and lose a decision to Joe Soto. You, you see him go out there, lose a decision to Tom Ninamaki. So it's kind of hard to get a read on this guy. I really don't know what to expect. I think the best version of Luke Sanders can come in here and neutralize a guy like Hani Yaya, get him tired to the point where he stops, where he starts flopping to his back. Because you know the deal, like, like you mentioned, man. When Rani Yaya starts getting tired, it's a completely different guy. So it's about if Luke can drag him to that point without getting tapped along the way. And you know what? I thought I was never going to pick Luke Sanders in another UFC fight, but it turns out I am. I'm going to take him here. I think he's going to win a decision over the very tough Rani Yaya. Now, next up in the UFC lightweight division, we got Drew Dober. He's minus 210. The comeback on John Tuck is plus 175. Now, Shaq, I got to ask you your opinion because obviously, look, Drew Dober's got the momentum. He's won four of his last five. But do you think he's being a little bit overvalued in the spot with the minus 210 price tag, or do you think it's correct? You know, this is the typical, you know, where they try to set the line a little wide just to get you to, you know, uh, it's very tempting to take a shot on Tuck. But, you know, uh, we'll see. Uh, You know, Dober's a solid guy. He's definitely come a long way from the days of, you know, losing to Sean Spencer. And, you know, uh... You know, I, just, I think he's a, I think he's, you know, a solid lightweight. He's average. What is his UFC record? About 500, maybe one over 500. Um, you know, personally, I thought he lost his last fight to Camacho, but I mean, it is what it is. He found a way to get his hand raised. He, uh, you know, he's got that nice overhand left, and he's got that Muay Thai background. But you know, when he trades punches in the pocket, I feel like he's got the tendency to be a little stiff. Uh, as we've seen in the past, we've seen him get countered with straight shots, like when he fought uh, OAM. And um, you know, generally, he's been getting matched up with these, you know other you know big physical guys that are you know a little slower in the pocket like Holtzman like Camacho like Berkman so uh it's going to be interesting to see uh how he does against a guy like Tuck you know Tuck's probably one of the most frustrating UFC fighters on the roster I mean you look at him you look at he has these flashes of brilliance but then it seems like after those flashes of brilliance there's some type of mental block and he just shuts down I mean uh the uh Damian Brown fight's a perfect example of that you know that great first round and then the second they get back up to the feet you can just tell something's completely off and you know uh i mean we've been hearing the same thing with tuck you know for this one you know he's training with uh ortega but i mean in the past he was training with rda he was training with the lab he was training with nick curson so you know it's pretty much the same song he's one in five when uh fights go to decision you know i think uh it's more of a case you know he is 33 years old you know i think the potential has run out but like you said dober might be getting overvalued here you know i think dover's an average fighter man um I think he's 
not necessarily great at anything, but he he knows how to win. He that's where he has the advantage over Tuck Dober, you know, and and uh, at least lately he's uh, he knows what he needs to do to win to edge out decisions. So, you know, I do have to side with him, but uh, minus two ten uh, is a little sketchy to me. You know, I don't think Dober's that type of fighter. Um, but you know, like 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 being said, man, if if Tuck shows up. You know, I think he's got all the skills to win. I think he's got all all the skills to win pretty much most of the fights. It's just like I was referring to this mental block where he just stops pulling the trigger and starts losing split decisions. I mean, like I said, he's one in five when fights go to decision. So, you know, uh, with that being said, I think he's got a finish to win this fight. I think if it goes to scorecards, uh, it's probably going to go Dober's way. Uh, you know, this is Dober's hometown as well. So I'm, uh, I'm going to take Drew Dober by split decision. Man, it's yeah. an interesting fight because it's like John Tuck's one of those guys where I keep wanting to give him another chance because he does show those flashes in fights. I mean, you saw that fight with Ty Hyun Bang, just absolutely ran through him. And most of the guys that beat Ty Hyun Bang in the UFC, you know, they beat him by decision. I mean, you saw Nick Hine go all three rounds with him. It was a close fight, but John Tuck just ran through the guy. And then obviously I got a soft spot. For my boy uh, John Tuck because he came through on that easy max bet winner against Takanori Gomi. And, you know, people say, oh, yeah, that was an obvious call. Well, it was so obvious it was minus 250. It should have been minus 750. But, hey, he took care of Biz exactly how he's supposed to. Now, this is obviously a way tougher fight. And he's also been out a year, which is kind of an interesting thing. I heard that he had to get his knee cleaned up. And so who knows uh, what the status is on that. But I, I've seen uh, the pictures. The dude's looking in serious shape. He's training with Ortega. He's training with Benny. But, uh... It's just a tough fight to call because I do think that Dober's being overvalued here. Now, I like what Dober's been doing lately, man. And what he's been doing lately is he's been fucking winning. You know what I'm saying? Because he did start off his UFC career 0-2, you know, losing to guys like Sean Spencer. But since that point, man, he's won four of his last five. He's been knocking cats out. And I know it's guys like Josh Berkman. But so what? He's been knocking out the guys that have been put in front of him. And uh, Jason Gonzalez, that's a, that's a young guy. So, you know, much respect and... I do think the best version of Tuck can win this fight is just, you know, how many times am I, am I going to, you know, give this guy another chance, right? So it, it's really tough to say. You know what, man? I feel like Tuck's going to come out here and win the first round and then lose the next two and lose a decision. But if he gets a finish along the way, that's, uh, that's his path to victory. But most likely it's going to be a close decision for Drew Dober. Now next up in the flyweight division. We got Joanne Calderwood. She's minus 170. The comeback on Kalindra Faria is plus 150. Now, Shaq, Kalindra Faria, you know, you, you know the deal here. She's going to rock you on the feet and then go uh, for nine heel hooks right after that and lose the split decision. That's what she's capable of. Uh, you see her repeating uh, her patterns here and doing that kind of thing, or do you think she's going to finally get her shit together? Yeah, you know, Kalindra, you know, that was definitely a disappointing last fight. I mean, she's had a pretty disappointing UFC career, um, you know, even dating back to the local scene. I mean, the chicks she was fighting, you know, they, they look like Brazilian soccer moms. And to be honest, you know, she's got the reputation of a striker, you know, which is what we saw in the eye fight. But on the uh, local scene, I mean... She's using wrestling, uh, you know, for the most part. You know, she's just taking girls down and mounting them and, uh, you know, smashing them up. Like I said, those girls are just... Uh, not very good. You know, the one good performance she did have uh, was against Karolina Kovakevich uh, in KSW. It was actually a really good fight. It could have went either way. You know, uh, Karolina got the split decision. And, you know, I think that was probably uh, Faria's uh, best performance. But other than that, most of her fights have no resistance, man. Uh, at least the fights that she wins. 
I mean, like I said, if you watch some of those things on YouTube, it's kind of laughable, man. You know, she's got that win over Karina Dam, who's a, you know, 38-year-old soccer mom. So, you know, uh, I feel like Kalindra's, you know, uh, she's got a nice little mean mug on her face, but I really don't think she's about that life. Uh, you know, I think she looks scary, but I don't think she's really uh, really got a – I think when resistance happens in fights, I think she folds, you know. Um, you know, JoJo, she's had an up-and-down UFC career, 3-3. Three and three. You know, uh, she's got the good teeps, good activity rate. You know, she definitely gets hit a lot. She gets hit close to five times a minute. And, uh, you know, she definitely needs to move that head a little bit more. But, you know, uh, you know, those fights were at 115. The one time she did fight at 125, she looked amazing. It was a great performance against Valerie Letourneau, who was coming off a five-round effort against Joanna. <laughs> And we saw the takedowns in that fight as well. She likes to go to the uh, to the uh, trip takedowns. And, you know, JoJo's one of those fighters where I feel like uh, she, you know, she kind of lets her, per or in the past, she's kind of let her personal life uh, affect her, her cage life. Uh, you know, before the Moreau's fight, you know, we were hearing things about how she broke up with her boyfriend and then, you know, her other losses, the unjudged loss, I mean, that's going to happen regardless. But the Calvillo loss, she, she missed weight. You know, it seems like she's always... Uh, complaining about personal life issues but you know i feel like faria is just one of these girls that can't keep it together at the at the at the high level you know like i said i think she fought a bunch of bums on that brazilian local scene kind of uh like Pollyanna viana in a sense but i mean kalindra's defensive grappling i mean i i really don't know what to say i mean she got taken down right away by mara barella uh, and she got tapped out right away. She couldn't recover guard. You know, the Jessica I fight, she catches her, catches her with a high kick and you go for nine heel hooks. I mean, if someone can explain defender for that, I mean, I'd, I'd really like to know, you know, leave comments in the uh, in the comment section if you, uh, you want to explain that to me. And then, you know, even in the second round, you know, she comes back out, gets her back taken, can get up. She had every opportunity. She had at least a couple opportunities to turn back into eyes guard and she couldn't do it. And the third round, you know, it's one-to-one. -one. We want you to keep it up on the feet. And uh, you land that big uh, sidekick to the head. And then, uh, you know, you get taken down again. Then I gives you a gift with one minute and 40 seconds left. To, she lets you back up. And uh, you initiate the clinch. And then you pull guard, you know. So <laughs> I really don't know how to say it, you know. I think uh, it could be a case where, you know, in these type of fights, uh, minus 170 is a little too high for JoJo. But I am going to take JoJo to win this fight by, you know, probably a close decision. You know, Faria, you know, she does hit hard. But it's only inside the pockets, pretty much out of emotions. I think when the realness of the fight settles in, she kind of – uh, I think she kind of folds. So I'm going to take JoJo by, you know, 29, 28 decision. But uh, uh, chicks like Kalindra Faria, um, you know, I can't trust that dog money. I just want somebody to tell, defend her on those nine hill hook attempts. <laughs> you know, for Joe and Calderwood to win a fight, everything needs to go perfect. You know, uh, this is a chick that got finished in the first round by Marina Moroz. Okay, let's just, let's just leave that out there. But uh, with Kalindra Faria... You know, she made Morella Barella look like a future world champion. Morella Barella is a girl that a year prior was going to split with Milana Dudieva. Morella Barella is a girl that's been getting finished on the regional scene. But against Kalindra Faria, she looks like a future world champion. And then she loses her next fight, of course. You know, Kalindra's a complete fraud. But one thing that she does have going for her is, you know, she does swing kind of hard on the feet. And uh, if you get into a striking fight with her... If she doesn't go for a flying arm bar or drop back for a heel hook, chances are she can get the better of the exchanges. Now, the thing with JoJo, how I was mentioning, everything has to be going perfect for her. You know, uh, in that fight with Marina Moroz, 
you know, blame the, the boyfriend, this and that. Well, now uh, she's fucking her new coach. So she's got that part of the game covered. And, uh, you know, she's not going back and forth from Scotland to TriStar. Now she's actually living in Vegas. She's in the best shape of her life. So I think for this specific fight, she's actually going to show up to the best of her abilities and probably win a close decision. You know, slightly outpoint Faria, who might actually hit harder than JoJo, but loves finding ways to lose, loves flopping to her back. And like I said, everything has to go perfect for JoJo. Well, everything is going perfect right now for her in terms of her shape, in terms of her personal life, her training, the weight class. She doesn't have to drop uh, those 10 extra pounds anymore. I know that's huge for her. So I think she comes out here and she wins this fight. The line's a little high for me. But, you know, we could talk about fading her in her next fight because you know, you know how this shit goes with Joanne Caldwell. But I think she gets this one done. Now, next up in the welterweight division, we got Mickey Gall. He's minus 330. The comeback on George Sullivan is plus 270. Now, Shaq, we're both uh, very familiar with these guys. I mean, we max bet faded both of them in their last fights successfully. Now they get matched up against each other, and it's interesting uh, because Mickey was initially supposed to fight someone else. Uh, you know who. We'll leave that off the air, but now he got the Sullivan fight, so I got to know how you see it going down. Yeah, you know, I think Ricky, you know, I think it was definitely first time out, but uh, first L time his last fight against Randy, but, you know, he earned some respect, you know, to an extent, you know, I think he, you know, has the heart at least to stand there for three rounds, but I mean, you can see, definitely see how uncomfortable the guy is, you know, trading punches in the pocket. Um, his BJJ is definitely legit, you know, he's got a decent right hand. Um, you know, he definitely needed time to improve some skills. So, you know, he made that move out to Cali and, uh, you know, he's training with Joe Schilling, uh, Juban and some other guys. So, you know, uh, you know, I can assume that he probably got a little bit better, but you know, that is an assumption. I still feel like he's got a long ways to go. Um, but you know, he, at least I, I will say the kid is a fighter. He, he does have the heart and desire to fight. And, you know, I don't think he's a complete joke, but I still think, uh, he has a has a habit of thinking this is a, a jujitsu match. You know what I'm saying? So, um, you know, I think he definitely has a long way to go. George Sullivan, you know, this is a good fight, you know, on paper to come back to because we know Sullivan, you know, he, he's 37 years old. Uh, he doesn't have the uh, fertility jugs anymore. You know, he's uh, still in the process of uh, suing suing uh, USADA. But, um, you know, Sullivan's are uh, also what we like – I'm not going to compare him to Randy because, you know, Randy's uh, naturally a lot better. But like I was saying, you know, with uh, before Mickey's last fight, these guys are real fighters. These guys, you know, actually, you know, build themselves up on a local level and, you know, work their way to the UFC. Now, Mickey, you know, now we're living in a different time. So props to Mickey for, you know you know, riding that CM Punk. And he, I mean, he beat Sage Norco, which is a legit win. So, you know, Mickey's a real fighter, like I was saying before. But George Sullivan actually won, you know, I, I don't know his exact record, but I know he's got a lot of fights. Uh, what is he, like, 20, I'm assuming he's got 20 wins. He beat 20 legit guys to be here. So, you know, uh, I think the line's a little too wide, personally. You know, Mickey Gall, he's got a long ways to go. Like I said, he still thinks it's a BJJ match. But George Sullivan has a tendency to completely gas out. Now, his last fight with Nico, I thought he actually made improvements, man. I thought he was, you know, getting the slight better of the exchanges. I mean, he took Nico down four times. Now, you could either look at it two ways. You could either say, you know, Nico has does have a tendency to start a little slow and, you know, pick up late. Or you could say, I mean, bro, he 
took Nico Price down four times and he was getting the better of the exchanges for, you know, a good round and a half. So it's a, it's a double-edged sword. So I think the line's personally too high, you know, at 37 year old, 37 years old without the, without the, uh, without the, the lava juice, you know, my gut tells me that uh, he's going to be winning this entire fight. And then all of a sudden hit a, hit a cardio block. And uh, you know what happens when Sullivan hits that cardio block? He, uh, he generally taps out right after that or gets knocked out, you know, guys that, you know, suck look like world champions you know when uh, alexander yakovlev fought this guy you know but sullivan beat real guys he beat mike Rhodes. he beat a jujitsu black belt and uh igor arujo you know he beat a uh, dominant water even though you know those those guys aren't ufc caliber caliber but Dom Waters has had 16 pro fights you know? exactly they're they're real pro fighters now mickey is on his way to being that but you know he's got a long way to go man so you know i i'm gonna take mickey but it's with it's a very with a very hesitation minus 330 is a joke in my opinion but uh you know we'll see I, i'll take mickey just because like what i was saying when sullivan hits that cardio that cardio block he he looks for the door so i got mickey yeah, you know, it's an interesting fight. You bring up some great points about how George Sullivan, he's actually been fighting real guys. And I know someone's going to be like, oh, real guys like Yakovlev? Yeah, Yakovlev beat Paul Daly. So don't, don't fucking come at me with that bullshit, son. And, uh, you know, it, it is what it is. Mickey Gall, let's be honest. You know, I know his record says he's 4-1, but between you and me, he's 1-1. He's only fought two real fighters. He fought Sage Northcutt and Randy Brown. He beat Sage. You know, he was flopping to his back. And, you know, when he got back up, he closed his eyes and landed a nice shot behind the ear. Props to him. And uh, Sage was in his quick tapping phase at, the, at that time. And then uh, against Randy, he got completely exposed. You know, I don't think Mickey Gall uh, is UFC caliber. I don't even think that he'd win the NFC belt. I don't even think he'd be the NFC number one contender. I think Jared Gooden and Eli Winter would easily beat this guy. But he's not fighting Eli Winter or Jared Gooden. He's fighting George Sullivan, who we know has... He's a USADA victim. He's 37 years old. He doesn't have uh, the highest testosterone, as you know, because he's got those fertility issues... But one thing I will say about him, he definitely fought a lot tougher against Nico Price than I expected. You know, when I, when I maxed that Price, I was just thinking Nico was just going to come out here and steamroll him real quick. Now, he did finish the fight in under two and a half rounds, but, you know, it wasn't, uh, I wasn't expecting George Sullivan to get back up from side control. I wasn't expecting George Sullivan to uh, take down Nico Price. And, you know, he did those things. And I, I heard an interview with him, and, you know, obviously he was coming off a three-year layoff, and... We could blame the cardio issues on that, even though he had cardio issues prior to that layoff. But in his interview, he said that for this uh, camp specifically, he actually dropped 20 pounds of walking weight, and he addressed his cardio. He, he basically feels like he beat himself against Nico. Between you and me, Nico wins that fight 9 out of 10 times. But that, that's what George Sullivan said. So I got to take his word for it. And he's also said that, you know, Mickey Gall's never fought a guy like him. And I think that's true to an extent. I think Randy Brown's probably the closest thing. Randy Brown is better than Sullivan, but that doesn't matter. So now it comes down to the matchup itself. Now, you know, Mickey Gall actually surprised me. He landed a couple right hands on uh, Randy Brown. My question is, will George Sullivan just eat them no problem? Is he so chinny that that'll put him down? And then also you bring up uh, a potential scenario where George Sullivan is dominating the entire fight. And then he runs himself down, which he is known for, and uh, finds a way to get choked out. Now, for that to happen, Mickey's got to have made some huge improvements to get to that point where he's able to catch a guy like George Sullivan. Because Nico Price had to go through some shit. Nico Price is fighting Razak Al-Hassan 
in about a month, Shaq. So, you know, th- this is real fighting. This is high-level shit. So <laughs> I- I'm just curious uh, if Mickey's on that level. But you know what? It's been over six months since that Randy Brown fight. He changed everything up. You know, he's training with Sean Strickland, Joe Schilling, all these guys. So I'd have to assume he's gotten better. But he's still a four and one. He's honestly he's one and one. He's a one and one guy. So you know it, it's really tough to say. And as far as the Lions concerned, look if it's a pick 'em, I, I, I see I, I see why people would go with Mickey Gall. You know, George Sullivan loves tapping that mat. Mickey Gall's got a nice jujitsu game. But you know when you see that minus three thirty next to a guy like Mickey Gall, if we're talking minus three thirty. I, I need a fucking lock and. I'm not convinced that Mickey Gall is that lock. So I actually think the value is on George Sullivan's side. It's not going to surprise me if he finds a way to lose because he does that all the time. But, you know, his uh, six UFC fights have all been against legit guys. Again, Yakovlev. I know he's not in the UFC anymore. But like I said, that's a guy that beat Paul Daly. So, you know, that's Mickey Gall's in there with fucking CM Punk and Mike Jackson. That, that, that's what I'm trying to get at here. So, man, I can't believe it. I'm actually going to pick George Sullivan uh, for this upset. And we'll see what happens. It won't surprise me if he taps that map, but I, I can't pick Mickey Gall, my man, so I won't. Now, next up in the middleweight division, we got Andrew Sanchez. He's minus 120, and the comeback on Marcus Maluco Perez is plus 100. Now, you know, shout out to my boy Maluco, cashing that max bet last time against uh, Bob Schmavik at minus 200 odds. Looked like a minus 1,000 favorite out there, but now he's got a huge step up against Andrew Sanchez, and... A lot of people have been criticizing Andrew Sanchez's cardio, and honestly, man, I, I think his chin's a bigger issue than his cardio. I felt like in that Ryan James fight, he, you know, it, it was it a cardio issue or was it a pacing issue? Because he tried to get that dude out of there. He landed some serious shots, and I can see why he would have gassed out landing the shots he did, and Ryan James is still there. I, I don't know what that dude's head is made out of, but I'll tell you this. Marcus Perez also can take a beating, as you saw in the Eric Anders fight, so now I got to know. Is El Durte Sanchez going to be able to get past Marcus Maluco Perez? Yeah, you know, Andrew Sanchez went from, you know, being the top prospect at middleweight to being the top fraud at middleweight, you know. So he uh, he is a two-time uh, national champion at, at the NAIA level. You know, he's not – I mean, he kind of switched up his game plan for the Janes fight. You know, like we said in the past, Janes is not the type of guy that you try to knock out because we know Janes is a scarecrow. He's like a Devin Powell, you know, if you – if you try to knock him out <laughs> and you gas out, you're in deep you're shit fucked. now. I mean, <laughs> you're in deep shit now because uh, that's a part of his plan. He he wants you to try to knock him out because you know he, he thinks that he can eat any shot. And I mean, he's proven that throughout his career. I mean, I I know specifically Jack Marshman said that he hit him with as hard as he possibly could, and he was just like, "Why isn't this guy?" Uh, going down so you know it's uh you can't try to knock james out or you're fucked so uh anyways back to this fight like you said i think his boxing defense is uh, a little bit more sloppy because even you know the anthony smith fight i mean anthony smith at middleweight had the reputation for you know coming back in the third rounds against pretty much everyone he fought so you know uh I do think he's got a little cardio problem, but I think it. I don't want to say it's a cardio problem. You know, he's one of those more agile heavyweight. He likes to use more of his uh, taekwondo kicks. He's more of a kicker than he is a puncher. But when he does box, I mean, even the Trevor Smith fight, you know, the uh, the defense is definitely a little bit questionable. His chin's definitely a little questionable. We saw him get knocked out by Kevin Casey. Um, I'm not mistaken. Did he get knocked out by Dustin Jacoby? I'm not exactly sure. But uh, I'll just say you know, this: the <laughs> Kevin Casey fight was absolutely vicious my man and uh no he lost a split decision to dustin jacoby 
Okay, yeah, so, but the Kevin Casey fight, he got knocked stiff, out cold. Um, Anthony Smith fight, you know, knocked out cold. Um, but, you know, um, I think, I, I, I do agree with you. I think the Jane's fight was just bad game planning, you know. I understand, you know, when you watch tape on Jane's, he, he looks like a complete joke. But when you get in there, it's going to be a completely different story. Now, Maluko, his uh, fight with Eric Anders, you know, uh, we do, we already know Maluko's He's not really a middleweight. He's really a, a welterweight, but he just chooses the fight. He doesn't want to cut the weight, which is, you know, which is good at when he's fighting certain opponents. And it's not going to be good when he's fighting guys, when he's fighting Division One uh, football players like uh, Eric Anders. But, you know, the win over Boschenvik was great. But, like, I mean, you know, come on now. That, that guy's a snowflake. I expect everyone to go in there and uh, beat James Boschenvik. But he did his job exactly how he's supposed to. First round finish. Second, the fight hits the mat. Uh you know, finish a guy, and and not to mention he's got a win over uh, Ian Heinish from uh, and we saw Ian Heinish, you know, kill a guy in the Contender Series not too long ago. So we know Maluko's got those flashy submission skills. He's training his jujitsu with Damian Maya a lot, and uh, you know, a lot of his fights on the local scene are a little hard to gauge because, you know, the one fight with Paulo Tiago. I mean, man, those guys in Brazil. I mean. Some of the shit that they got going on down there, they're mad so slippery. I mean, those motherfuckers are ice skating for five straight rounds. They're they're ice skating like you really can't even see like how good his boxing really is. They have to wipe the mat the mat off like every two seconds. I mean, it was a complete joke. And you know his other fights, you know I, I saw him get dropped in one fight, but it was really early in his career, so. It's really hard to tell where what Maluko's really got. You know, um, the Anders fight, like we said, we know he, he took Anders down. He uh, and we know he can pull off those quick sub, those quick subs. But we know Andrew Sanchez has that you know strong wrestling base, so it's really tough. You know, I'm really interested to see how good Maluko really is because, you know, uh, I know he's capable of pulling these flashy subs, but does he have the the rest of the fundamentals in his game to uh, you know be a consistent UFC fighter? Um, it's tough, you know. Um, Andrew Sanchez, personally, I thought he might have gotten his life changed the last fight. I mean, that was a severe ass whooping, Dan. I mean, he ate a lot of significant strikes. And, you know, James is the type of guy that it's honestly worse when James gets you than, you know, a one, like a one punch, uh, like a two, three punch combo like Anthony Smith, because James is just gonna, you know, slowly do it and embarrass you and, you know, go to your body and (laughs) just extend it and make you just eat all these extra shots. So, man, I feel like he possibly could have got his life changed, man. I don't know mentally if he can be the same from that, but that is an assumption, you know? So, uh, I'm actually, I'm actually take Sanchez by close decision, you know. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna be cheering for Maluko. Maluko's my boy, but like I said, I really just don't know how good the guy really is. You know, I know Sanchez finds a way to, finds a way to, you know, uh, lose these guys, but lose to these, uh, lose to the, his last two fights. But you know, uh, I got more effects on Sanchez. You know, I kind of, I feel like I can kind of gauge him a little bit better. But um, you know. It's a tough one. It's 50-50 for me. Don't get me wrong. You know, I could definitely see Maluko, uh, Andrew Sanchez running himself into the ground again. But I think it's the matchup slightly favors Sanchez. So I'm going to take Sanchez by close decision. Well, I mean, you said it's 50-50. The line kind of indicates that it is basically a dead pick Slight lean on Sanchez. So it's not quite 50-50, but it's almost there. And look, man, I mean, Andrew Sanchez, very talented guy. I mean, the wrestling credentials you mentioned, the taekwondo base. He's got all that going for him, but, man, his chin is just not the best. And this ain't nothing new, man. This didn't just happen when six foot five Anthony Smith 
brutally knocked him out. I mean, go watch the Kevin Casey fight like we alluded to earlier. This has been an ongoing problem. And like I said, I think the cardio issues are a bit overblown because we saw him go three rounds fine with Trevor Smith. I just feel like his pacing against Ryan James was the issue, man, because, you know, when you're hitting a guy and you're dropping him with every single shot you land and he's about to be out cold, he probably was thinking, fuck it, I'm just going to go all in and get this guy out of there. And, you know, that's the biggest mistake you've ever made because you don't get a guy like Ryan James out of there. Look, eventually he's not going to be able to keep taking those beatings. I mean, that's just how this game works. But for now, James is uh, the guy that doesn't get knocked out, right? So Andrew Sanchez made a, a mental mistake there trying to finish him. He wasn't able to and gassed himself out in the process. I, I think the deal with the Anthony Smith fight was kind of like you were saying, Anthony Smith has always been known for being a guy that starts off slow and comes back in that third round and uh, finishes guys. I know up at 205, he's been taking care of biz early, but he's also been fighting some faded, washed-up vets. You know, much respect to both those guys, but, you know, it is what it is. In this fight specifically, the thing with Maluka, you know, Maluka means wild man in Portuguese, and you got to be a fucking wild man to get the kind of submission he got on Ian Heinish. You know, when you go for an arm triangle from bottom guard and you get that, I mean, <laughs> only crazy motherfuckers go for subs like that, and the fact that he actually pulled it off says a lot. You know, Rick Story actually got a similar sub to Maluka versus Heinish against Brian Foster. The only difference was that Rick Story was actually on top in the guard of Brian Foster. Now, uh, Maluka was on bottom, still in guard, still in arm triangle, just a slight difference there, but to get a, a submission like that, you don't see it often, and it shows the kind of level uh, his jiu-jitsu's on, obviously. On the regional scene, you saw him go out there, beat UFC vets. He beat Omar Alcantara. He beat Paulo Tiago. And in the UFC, took that fight with Eric Anders on short notice. Uh, took his ass whooping like a man. Comes back, destroys James Bochenvik. So now we're going to find out exactly where he's at. I, I see this being a very back-and-forth fight. I see there being a lot of scrambles. I think that Maluko's chin will be the difference because I see these guys swinging some serious heat at each other. And I'm not quite sure that Andrew Sanchez can take it. I don't think his cardio is the issue. I think his chin's the issue. So I'm going to go with uh, Maluka via late second round knockout. And next up in the Bantamweight division, we got Corey Sanhagen. He's minus 240. The comeback on Yuri Alcantara is plus 200. Now Shaq, look, I agree. This kid, Corey Sanhagen, is super talented. But for him to be minus 240 over Yuri, he better come out here and fucking show out. Now I know against Austin Arnett, you know, he took care of Biz, but I'm pretty sure my boy Yuri would have taken care of Biz against Austin Arnett, too. If you haven't figured out how to take care of Biz against Austin Arnett, you should not be on the UFC's roster. So I got to know, man, who you got. Yeah, you know, like you said, uh, you should be able to go in there and handle Arnett. You know, uh, I kind of rate his performance against Arnett a little better because, you know, he, he took that fight on a week notice after he just fought. And, you know, he didn't take any damage while, you know, I know... Uh, Dewadu, you know, fucked him up, but that was, uh, it was ugly in my opinion. It wasn't, yeah, Dewadu's a complete fraud. <laughs> it was ugly, and Brandon Davis left with a bloody face, so, you know, I kind of rate his performance against uh, Arnett a little better. I like how he went to the body, the movement. You know, he's got that TJ Dillashaw endorsement, you know, TJ's really high on this guy, but TJ can't fight for him, so, you know, he's got the, uh, I mean, his movement's on point, he's got the angles, the footwork, the whole bit, you know, he's a... Uh, He's a wannabe TJ. I mean, this guy's a serious striker. Um, you know, it's going to be interesting because he's dropping at 35. You know, I don't know why he's dropping at 35, but he wants to drop to 35. So, you know, uh, 
if the weight cuts, you know, gonna go good. Uh, I think if he can make the weight, it'll be a, a definitely a good move. You know, the, the the jury's still out on him, but you know, from what we've seen, you know, the skills are are definitely there. You know, he trains with a good camp, but like we said, this is all this is all hype. This is all you know assumptions. This is all assumptions that he's you know this guy that they uh, say he is. It kind of it almost kind of reminds me a sense of uh, you know Ferrer and Roberson kind of in a way, if you know what I mean, you know, we got this guy that's got one fight, but, uh, you know, it was kind of against a bum and, you know, everyone's buying the hype and, you know, uh, if you guys know what I mean, but Yuri, Yuri hits like a truck first and, you know, you know, he's definitely on the decline, but one thing that will never go away for those, uh, for those Brazilian weasels is those, is that power. I mean, he's a, he's like a Johnny Eduardo. He's got that vicious power, you know, he's way more experienced. I mean, He's got more. He's got probably twice as much UFC fights as Sanhagen has fights, you know. So uh, he's probably got better jujitsu. Um, but you know, it, the road could be ending for Yuri, man. You know, his last four fights have been a little. Uh, there's definitely been some red flags for me, man. You know, the uh, the the Luke Sanders fight. I mean, which was another guy with one UFC fight. You know, top prospect. You know, Yuri did win that fight, but between you and me we know that fight was a complete fluke i mean he got the living shit beat up beat out of him the entire time and then rolled for a leg lock and got it so you know i mean that was a lot of damage he sustained in that fight um then the kelleher fight which is was that uh yeah that was after luke you know the kelleher fight you know kelleher put that pressure on him hit him with one right hand and he shot in and you know tapped right away so you know and then the alejandro fight i felt like he struggled to pull the trigger against a guy that was you know feigning and feigning and we we know it's hard to pull the trigger against alejandro so you know uh you know but like i said he when he fought a guy that fainted he, he didn't pull the trigger and he was loading up on power shots missing and he got rocked in that fight as well and you know his last fight with joe soto which is good performance he uh steamrolled joe soto it was a great performance. So, you know, I'm kind of 50-50, you know, Sanhagen, you know, the people, you know, on the Sanhagen train, it's it's literally you're just, you know, we see the, we definitely see the potential, but it's just, uh, like I said, with the Roberson thing, you know, it's just basically buying into the hype. You're either buying into the hype or you're not. Um, so, you know, I am going to take Sanhagen. Like I said, I think Yuri these days, I don't think he's the most mentally tough guy. You know, I think uh, when he really gets clipped on the chin, I think like he... I kind of compare him to Johnny Eduardo. You know, I feel like he might get off to a good start, but honestly, I don't think he's going to get off to a good start. I mean, you know, unless the weight cut's a bad thing and he gets, if Sanhagen gets hit with a body kick and, you know, he uh, takes a knee or anything like that. But, you know, I, I do see uh, Sanhagen being a little a little bit uh, more savvy for, you know, guys generally at the stage in his career. Um, I know he did lose to Emmers last year, but Emmers is a completely different matchup. Emmers is a is a wrestler, so you know um, I'm really not going to knock that against him too much. But I think when he does crack Yuri on the chin, I think uh, Yuri's going to slowly just look for ways out. I think he's still going to be swinging big bombs, but I think he's just going to slowly, slowly break and then uh, eventually get finished. So I'm going to take uh, Sanhagen by second round to Gale. Look, obviously Corey Sanhagen's got the higher ceiling, the more potential, you know, he's 10, 12 years younger than, than Yuri Alcantara. So there's a lot to look forward to, but for him to be minus 240 over Yuri, he better come out here and steamroll him. And I think the reason he is minus 240 is because you saw that performance he had against a total fraud against Austin Arnett, who, you know, has zero business on the roster. He styled on him, but congrats. He looked great. And I like his footwork. I like that he switches stances. I like how he mixes it up to the body. And, 
I think that he can beat Yuri. It's just about, is it time to take that first L in the UFC? Is it time for that vet lesson? Because you know these guys aren't exempt. And it doesn't matter if you have more potential than the guy or not. I mean, we've seen it time and time again. These young prospects got to get humbled from time to time. And it could be a total fluke. You know, he could... Uh, he could knock out Sanhagen with a blocked head kick. You know what I'm saying, Shaq? These kind, these kind of fucking things have been happening lately, man. So, you know, it's an interesting fight. Like I said, I think Corey's got the brighter future. I think he's got the style to beat Yuri. But somewhere along the way, you got to take that vet lesson. You got to take that first L. And there's no one better to hand it to him than a guy like Yuri Alcantara. And uh, it's going to be interesting if Yuri does it. Look, Corey's dropping a 35 for the first time since his pro debut. So basically, the entirety of his career has been spent at 45. And like you said, you're not sure why he's dropping a 35. I'm not sure either, man, because he looked pretty damn good at 45. But I think he's going to style on Yuri a little bit. And I think somewhere along the way, Yuri's going to catch him with a counter right hook. Maybe that, uh, that, that front kick. He's got a serious front kick, by the way. Jimmy Rivera told me, like, bro, like this dude kicks hard as fuck. And you saw Yuri, uh, when they stood and banged, uh, he dropped Jimmy Rivera twice. Jimmy had to mix in takedowns to, to win that fight. And I know Corey took down Austin Arnett, but that doesn't mean he's going to take down Yuri. So... Corey's got to come in here with the right game plan. And Yuri is a very game planable guy. Definitely. No doubt about it. It's just about, is it, is it time to take that vet lesson or not? I, I'm going to ride with my boy Yuri here, man. I think that uh, it start, he starts off kind of slow, but I think somewhere along the way, he lands that counter shot, puts Corey Sanhagen down. I think Corey's going to come back better, man. I think he's actually got a bright future. I think he is the guy who people say he is, but you got to pay your dues in this game, man. Yuri's been doing it too long. Austin Arnett to Yuri Alcantara, that's just such a big jump in competition. But hey, if he rises to the occasion, I'll tip my, my cap for sure. Definitely someone on the radar, win or lose. I, I think he takes a setback here. Now next up in the welterweight division, we got Warley Alves. He's minus 390. The comeback on James Krause is plus 320. Now Shaq, it's an interesting fight. A lot of people have been saying that the, that the line's a little bit too wide. I personally disagree, my man. I think that uh, I think that Warley is the rightful big favorite. But before I give my breakdown, I got to hear your perspective, man. Yeah, you know, I think uh, this whole Warley being a quitter and a, and a gasser is a little bit. Uh, I think it's a little bit of an exaggeration. You know, uh, I mean, I think he had some pacing issues in the past, but I mean, look at the guys he lost to: Barbarina and Kamara. What are those two guys known for? They're known for breaking guys and making guys gas out. So, you know, he, I mean, he was coming off a, a win over Colby Covington in uh, in Las Vegas. I mean, the guy's head probably got a little too big, and you know, he ended up taking that setback to Barb, and then he fought the number what three four guy in the world against Kamaru you know who's the second best wrestler in the division and you know he had uh I mean Kamaru does that to everyone so you know uh, I'm not gonna put too much stock into this whole Worley he's lying too high because he's a he's a quitter and a gasser I think he's a way better fighter than James Krause I think James Krause you know he wins a lot of fights he's on a four or five fight winning streak I'm not sure which one but uh you know I know he's moving up in weight he said the weight cut at uh to 55 was getting a little you know taxing on him but I mean I saw him fight at 170 in the tough house and he looked sloppy every fight he was struggling with you know I know he beat my boy uh, Johnny Nunes and uh, he lost to Jesse Taylor. He had a tough fight with Ramsey in the gym. And, you know, I think he's getting sloppier and sloppier each fight. I think he's got a foot out the door. I know he wants to coach. I think the guy had a great career. Like I said, he's got that great record. 
But uh, you know, the way he likes to I know when he gets in trouble on the feet, he likes to shoot uh he likes to shoot these head inside uh takedowns and one guy uh that I know has been itching to get his get his uh guillotine his guillotine game back is uh Worley Alves. You know, now he's proven he's gone he can go three rounds, he can prove that he can stretch out fights efficiently against, you know, big imposing wrestlers like uh Sultan. So I got Worley all day here. I'm going to say second-round guillotine or first-round guillotine. I think he's going to hurt Kraus with a big body kick. And uh, I think Kraus is going to do, you know, go to his comfort zone, which is shooting that takedown. And when he uh, shoots that takedown, I think that neck's going to get snatched up. So, you know, I'm going to take Worley Alves. But even if it goes three rounds, you know, I think Worley can go three rounds efficiently. So I got Worley all day in this one. Yeah, you know, people are questioning Worley's heart. Worley's a fucking warrior, man. That fight with Barbarena was an incredible war, man. And, you know, the fight with Usman, I mean, who doesn't lose to Usman? You know what I'm saying? So I don't hold that against him at all. And since that point, he obviously went back to the drawing board. He worked on his pacing issues. And since that point, he hasn't gassed out since, man. Two straight fights. We've seen him go five rounds uh, within his last two fights. You know what I'm saying? Three against Salim Tuari and two against Sultan Aliyev. And he looked completely fine. So... I think uh, the cardio is actually a non-factor in, in this specific matchup. And I also think that James Krause looks pretty shitty at 170 pounds. I mean, you saw his performances on the Tough House. And I, I know it's a different environment, but the way he was getting tagged against Johnny Nunes, the war with Ramsey Nijum, you know, I know he got finished against that juice head, Jesse Taylor. We won't hold that against him. But those two fight, those fights with Ramsey and uh, Johnny Nunes, that, that was pretty ugly, man. And then you watch his fight with Alex White. Man, if Alex White just had some takedown defense, it would have been a knockout. But Alex White doesn't have some takedown defense. Alex White absolutely picked him apart standing. It's just Alex can't stuff, you know? We, we know that. But you know who can stuff? Worley Alves can stuff. And he's got serious takedown defense. He's got, he's got legit, real takedown defense. You can hold this dude's leg up above his head. He'll be balancing on one leg, and you still won't take him down. He's one of those guys, super athletic. He's also the kind of guy you go in for a single leg on him and he'll throw the other the other side knee at your face. You know, that old school Uriah Faber move. So Worley is super athletic, and I think people forget that Worley Alves is only 27 years old. You know? He's just a kid, Shaq. And I know I know people think he's like 32 or something, but he's really 27, man. So he's actually getting better every single time we see him fight. And he already has an incredible resume. He already finished the interim champion, Colby Covington. He already finished Nordin Taleb. He already beat, although controversial, Alan Juban. So he's been in there with super, super tough guys. And James Krause has as well. But stylistically speaking, I think James Krause is going to get absolutely lit up on the feet. I, I think there's a huge athleticism difference here. There's obviously a hunger difference because my boy James is trying to bounce out the game. He wants to be a coach. He wants to do the whole bit. And I respect him. You know, he, he's a, he gave a lot to the sport. Standing, you know, he's kind of got that, you know, he wants to be super pretty. He wants to, I say pop the jab, but it's not like he's popping dude's heads back with it. It's more like he's trying to accumulate volume type thing. And he's been getting his wrestling game going too if he feels threatened on the feet. I just don't see much of a path to victory here for him unless you guys are right about Worley's cardio issues, which I don't think you are. I think those two specific fights against Barbarina and Kamara were simply bad matchups for him. And I thought he had a great showing despite uh, you know losing the last two rounds against both those guys. I don't see him losing the last two rounds against a guy like James Krause. You know, in fact, I think he finishes James Krause. You went with the guillotine. I'm going to go with the knockout. I'm going to go with Worley Alves. And hopefully the line comes down, man. I know right now it's minus 390. Earlier, it was minus 550. Let's see if we can get it to minus 250. But uh, 
Uh, I'm going to go with Wally Alves inside the distance. Now, next up in the middleweight division, we got Eric, your boy, Anders. He's minus 1,000. The comeback on Tim Williams is plus 650. Now, Shaq, you going with my boy, your boy? Yeah, you know, my boy, your boy, uh, you know, that was a valiant effort he had against Lyoto. You know, uh, it was definitely a close fight. It came down in that third round. I just watched it uh, a couple of days ago, actually. It was a great fight. You know, for his experience level, he did really good, man. You know, you know, uh, Lyoto definitely won that first. Eric won the second. Uh, Eric definitely won the fourth, and Lyoto definitely uh, won the fifth. It just uh, came down to that third, and Lyoto was winning that entire third round right up until the end, so, you know, it could have went either way. The 49-46, uh, Machida was disgusting, but you know how those uh, how those Brazilian weasels do it down there. So, you know, uh, you know it is what it is, but, you know, Eric, I feel like uh, I don't think he's going to have those issues he had in his last fight. You know, I feel like he was kind of struggling, uh, you know, make his entries inside the pocket just because we know how, you know, a vet Lyoto is. You know, I feel like everyone just kind of uh, underestimated uh, the state that Lyoto was in, kind of. So, you know, he's got a big experience advantage over Eric, but now he's fighting Tim Williams, the uh, the South Jersey Strangler is what they call him. And, you know, uh, Tim, you know, he's a tough guy. He's a tough workman, you know. He earned his way here, you know. I give him that. But, you know, unfortunately, he's a sacrificial lamb, and, you know, there's – there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. You know, they're they're bringing him in here to get knocked out again. So, you know, uh, I think he's got a solid clinch game. I think he would do better against other guys. You know, it sucks that he had to fight, you know, Pihota, who at the time was one of the top prospects, and now he's fighting, you know, a hungry Eric Anders. You know, uh, I'm, I'm assuming more people want to know if this is going to go over one or under one. You know, uh, I feel like Anders kind of, you know, I don't like when he uh, throws these high kicks. You know, I feel like that's a waste of time, especially for a guy with his frame. I feel like he needs to uh, just stick to that left hand because, honestly, I think uh, not too many guys are going to be able to take that left hand in the middleweight division. I mean, he is a legitimate Division One Alabama football player, so the guy's got a lot of power. But I think Tim Williams is probably going to end up taking a canvas snap. You know, I think uh, – Tim Williams only knows one way to fight. He's a workman. He has to get in close because that's what his game consists of. He wants to tie you up and, you know, make it ugly. So I think uh, either when they separate off a clinch or or just standing in the middle of the cage, I think at some point that left hand's going to land. And uh, unfortunately, Tim's going to take his second knockout loss in a row. Yeah, you know, as far as if this fight's going to go over or under one and a half, as far as what kind of stats we have backing Eric Anders, he does have a 70% finish rate in his wins and six of those finishes are in the first round so you know he's very experienced at like at handing out canvas snaps in, in that first and you know people ask uh you know what why is tim williams fighting eric anders you know why because uh that's what happens when you're a jobber you get brought in to lose to the top prospects you know last time it was against pihota now it's against eric anders you know and i, I we, we appreciate it tim you know you stepped up for the team you're coming in gonna take this quick canvas snap and I mean, this is a guy that lost to Diego Lima, and we know the deal. Ben, the fights against Anthony Smith, you got to watch those. Those were brutal, too. I respect the guy. He's been through a lot outside the octagon. You know, we know some of the shit he went through, so I respect him. He's definitely a physical guy, but when we talk about physical guys, D1 football player Eric Anders is a physical guy. I I just think, uh, you know, minus 1,000 favorite. Obviously, he's outmatched. So I see it being a first-round knockout, left hand. Eric Anders is about to move on to bigger and better things after this, man. Now, this fight, this is going to be serious. This is going to let us know a lot. 
Flyweight division, we got Davison Figueredo Alcantara. He's minus 165. The comeback on John Moraga is plus 145. Now, Shaq, I got to know, man. You going with God of War Figueredo or you going with uh, Chicano John Moraga? Yeah, you know, Davison's a solid guy, undefeated, hasn't lost yet. Very experienced, comes from that uh, jungle fight promotion. And I think he's, uh, you know, I feel like he's uh, like an Alex Cowboy of the flyweight division, you know. Uh, his striking, you know, isn't the prettiest. It's kind of a little loose, you know. He definitely is open to some left hooks. But, uh, I mean, you could just tell when he's in there. I mean, he's bruising, man. He's physical. These guys feel it when uh, Davison hits him. And, uh, I mean, his UFC career, you know, the toughest fight he's had is the uh, – the uh, fight with Jared Brooks, but we know Jared Brooks is a, a super high-level wrestler that you know looks to slam guys. So, and, and to be honest, you know I felt like that was the perfect definition of land prey. You know I know a lot of people think uh, uh, Brooks got robbed, but I mean, like uh, like uh, my boy John Crouch told Barbarino when he fought Worley, you know, know where you're at. You know what I'm saying? They're not going to give you anything. So, you know, he was in Brazil. You know, he chose to use a, a lay and pray strategy. I felt like Davison uh, did all the damage on the feet. Of course, you know, he slammed him. He got slammed about eight to ten times. But, you know, Brooks just stayed in his guard. It was the definition of lay and pray. You know, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. So I definitely don't think that was a robbery. But uh, in terms of comparison to Moraga, you know, Moraga was falling on tough times for a little bit there. You know, he had lost three in a row. But, uh, I mean, look who he lost to. You know, he lost to uh, Joseph Benavidez, who at the time had only lost to two people, Cruz and DJ. He lost to Mateus, who at the time was the number one prospect at flyweight. And, you know, he lost to Sergio Pettis, who's the number one contender, you know, right after uh, DJ. So, you know, uh, his losses are definitely respectable. But, um, and, you know, another thing is Moraga, like, uh, kind of like Dustin Ortiz, man, you know, he, those two are known for handing out, uh, prospects their first L's so you know it's definitely going to be a good fight but as far as how they match up I think uh Moraga has an edge in the boxing department we know he, he's a you know a decent power puncher we saw that fight with Mago Medbubalatsov we see we know he's got those calf kicks and you know Davison has a tendency to just you know sit on calf kicks so you know that could play a factor here and we know if you trade with Moraga in the pocket that left hook and that straight right the flying knees are all there man so we know uh Moraga loves a stand-up fight but we know the issue with Moraga it's the same shit every fight no matter if he was you know even though I think Wilson's uh wrestling and jiu-jitsu is better than Davison's the common thing in Moraga's fights and why he loses is because he went to his back. Besides the Sergio fight, the Sergio fight he just uh, he uh, just got picked apart on the feet. But that's about the best striker in the division. But in the Mateus fight, you know, personally I thought Mateus was getting the better of the boxing, anyways. But I know some people see it otherwise. And you know what it came down to was in the third round. If you want to say it was one to one, he got taken down right at the end. So. We know that Moraga has that tendency to always go to his back, even though he's a D1 wrestler. But I feel like uh, a lot of people are, you know, uh, misconstrued about what type of D1 wrestler he is. You know, it's not the – I don't know exactly the details, but from what I understand, it's not the the same type of D1 wrestling like a, like a Colby or a, or, a, or a Gaethje or – or like a Cormier, it's a, it's like an in-school D1 wrestling, if that makes sense. Um, so, you know, I feel like people are a little, they're a little, that's why he, he uh, gets taken out, because he really ain't no now, D1 What wrestling. do you mean? Because he went to Arizona State, but then we see him getting taken down almost every fight. It, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a different, uh, that wrestling world's a different world, but just put it this way, I know he went to the same school as Bader and CB and Kane, but 
Um, I don't actually think he was like, I don't know the exact details, but if someone wants to uh, comment, comment, I know somebody else knows, but it's not what everyone thinks he is. You know, I don't think he was actually on that team. So, uh, I mean, he was on the team, but it's just, it's different. I got to look up the details, but it's just different. But uh, Moraga, like we said, he always goes through his back. Now, Davison, we have seen him take guys down. He uh, took down Marco Beltran, Uh, you know. Marco Beltran, is he in the UFC? I'm not, I'm not sure, is he? Uh, He's on a four-five skid, so I doubt it. <laughs> but uh, he, uh, you know, he's, I mean, he's pretty much dominated besides the Brooks fight. You know, the the his last fight against Bopo Cho, Bopo Joe, I know that kid was undefeated, but that's a, to do that to an undefeated guy, even though I think Bopo Joe is a snowflake compared to Baraga, he handled him the exact way you should, you know. He, Davison's been doing his job, you know. He does his job a lot. So, you know, I actually kind of rate Davison up a little higher than most of these undefeated guys. You know, generally I would say this is perfect uh, spot for Moraga to shine. And it's still good because, like we said, Moraga hands a lot of kids their first those. But uh, I'm actually going to take Davison in this one, man. I think uh, I do think he's going to get dropped at some point. It's a matter if he can uh, recover. But, you know, Davison loves war, man. Um, you know, it's funny. I actually set this fight up. You know, if, if you guys uh, – you know, if you guys go to John Moraga's Instagram page and, you know, you go to go to his post uh, uh, to I don't I don't remember the exact day, but, you know, he, he asked uh, he asked the fans, who should he fight next? And if you go in that uh, comment section, you see me comment and I tag uh, Davison Figueredo and Davison uh, responded and he uh, responded with the Brazilian flag. And a couple of days later, they were booked to fight. So, you know, everyone can go ahead and thank me for uh, booking this matchup. But um but davison you know he he might have uh, pr- provoked john because you know i heard uh some rumors where he's been saying uh Maraga's an old man and you know he's gonna kill john so you know uh john's from the hood so you know it's gonna be an interesting fight but i do think davison is gonna get on top of him just enough to stall out i think the brazilian weasel tactics are gonna come into play here you know i think it's gonna be a case of uh you know, Moraga's getting the better on the feet, like, you know, kind of wobbling him a little bit, but he's going to end up on his back. I think uh, he's going to either be up two rounds and, you know, it's going to be a hairy third round and, you know, everyone's going to think Moraga won and, you know, he's going to lose a controversial split. But uh, I think the Brazilian weasel tactics are going to prevail here just slightly, but I wouldn't be shocked if Moraga handed out another first, though. Jean Moraga, I kill you. That's uh, that, that's what Davison said to him, man. And, you know, this is Davison's first fight outside of Brazil, but he's actually done this entire camp in the U.S., so he's not going to be suffering from that long flight, and he's not going to have to get acclimated. He's already been acclimated the last couple months. He's been doing this shit at Team Alpha Male, plus he's got his main coaches from Brazil out here with him too. So he's definitely going to be prepared. Now it's just about is it time to take that first L? Is it time to get that vet lesson? Because one thing i got to say about Davison, man, Holy shit. I don't, I don't think I've ever seen such a physical flyweight. And lots of guys are going to have problems with Davis and Figueredo. Win or lose right here, man. I'm just telling you. Lots of guys are not going to be able to deal with that physicality, that power that he brings to the table. And not to mention, he's actually got some serious fight IQ too, man. Because if you go back and you watch some of those regional fights and... You know, I know some guys perform different on the regional scene than they do in the big show, and I think that can apply to a guy like Davis and Figueroa. You know, kind of like you saw Alexander Rakic, and you know, in the regional scene, he's flopping to his back, but then in the UFC, he looks like a fucking future world champion uh, versus Justin Ledet. We could we could be seeing something similar with Davis and Figueroa, just in the sense that 
You know, you remember that fight on the regional scene versus Fontes, and you know each guy's getting dropped a hundred times, and you know it's just a sloppy brawl. They got their hands down, but then you see him in the UFC, and he just looks like this. This is someone to look out for. This is a force to be reckoned with. But Magomed Bibulatov was also a force to be reckoned with, right? So you know, John Moraga is known for handing out those first L's. And all, another thing about John Moraga, if you're not a top five guy you're not going to beat John Moraga. And that's just the bottom line. Look at all the guys he's lost to throughout his career. It's all serious, serious fighters. Demetrius Johnson, John Dodson twice, Sergio Pettis, Mateus Nicolaou, so Joseph Benavides. These are all serious guys. So, you know, if Davison wants to prove that he's among the elite, he has to come out here and beat John Moraga. Or, you know, maybe take this L and then come back and, and you know, prove yourself. Regardless of if he wins or loses this fight, I think that Davison... Kind of like I was mentioning with uh, Corey Sanhagen and Yuri, where Corey's got the higher potential. I, I think Davison's got the higher ceiling than Moraga for sure. I mean, obviously, he's the younger guy. And it's just that physicality, that power is just, is it, fucking jujitsu serious too, man. Off his back, he's attacking. And I agree with you. I don't think the Brooks fight was a robbery at all. You know, live, I kind of did because he got taken down seven times. But then you go back and you rewatch it and you see that Davison's the only guy landing damage and. You know, Brooks was hanging on for dear life. Anytime Brooks would get hit, he'd make a face. And, you know, between you and me, the, the actual fight itself was, was definitely won by Davison. But if you want to, you know, if you want to count the takedowns more than the strikes, okay, then give it to Brooks. But bottom line, Davison went out there and he got his arm raised. Now with Moraga, it's interesting. Moraga loves to go to his back a lot. But the guys that have been taking them down, you know, Wilson Hayes, DJ, Joseph Benavides. Maybe they're uh, on a higher level than Davison. I know officially ranked, they are. It's just about, is Davison going to rise to that occasion and show that he's on that level right now? Because the guys he's been fighting, you know, Bopo Joe and Jared Brooks, who's five foot one. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And fucking Marco Psycho Beltran. That doesn't really tell me much, but the way he handled them was unbelievable. So, you know, I, I can't wait to find out if it's time to take that first L. I think standing, man, Moraga is serious with those kicks, dude. Like, not just the calf kicks, also the inside kicks. And his boxing's on point. I like the fact that when he threw that right hand against Magomed and he hurt him, right after he threw it, he immediately dips his head under the counter. That left hook he threw right after the head kick, dude. That left hook came from fucking hell. You know what I'm saying? That was, that was serious shit. So, Davidson's definitely the more physical guy. He's the bigger guy. It's just about how John Skills can, can beat the physicality of Davidson Figueroa. I'm scared of this guy, Davison, man. You know, I think there's value on Moraga at plus 145 if you want to find out if this is first L time for Davison. But, dude, I'm, I'm scared of this motherfucker. He, he's, a, he's a force to be reckoned with. I'm going to go with Moraga, but uh, not very confidently. You know what I'm saying? Davison's definitely a force to be reckoned with. He's someone to look out for. But I'm, I'm going to go with Moraga to hand him his first L. Now, next up in the welterweight division, we got a Nebraska retirement party because we got Jake Ellenberger. He's a plus 390 dog. To Brian Barberena, who's minus 490 now. You know these two got history. They were supposed to fight. Plus, Brian Barberena finished Jake Ellenberger's brother. Now, uh, my boy, yes, Jake's got to come in here for this retirement fight. You know, he's 2-8 and eight in his last 10. Uh, what, what do you think is going to happen here, Shaq? Yeah, you know, I feel like Barberena, you know, I feel like, you know, I've been seeing a lot of people saying this is a step down for Jake, but I, I, I disagree 100%. I feel like Barb consistently each fight, you know, doesn't get enough credit. And I've been I've been saying this since 2015, 16. I mean, 
Dan, you know I've been on the barb train for a while, man. I bet this guy against Sage at plus 260. I bet this guy at plus 400 against Worley. You know, this guy, Barb, uh, you know, I know he doesn't look the part, but when you get in there, uh, you're going to see what's up. Um, you know, to be honest, you know, he's 4-3 and three in the UFC, but, I mean, look at his uh, three losses. You know, the first one was the Chad Lepre, who was, you know, the, the ultimate fighter winner. He fought him in Canada. Whether you think he won or lost, it was a good fight. But we uh, we know who was in better condition at the end of the fight between you and me, Dan, correct? Um, yeah, you know, I mean, so, we yeah. saw someone get broken. Plus, that was at 155 pounds. Exactly. So, you know, you know, barring that, the other two losses we've had at 170 are against the best wrestler from America and Colby Covington and the best wrestler from the UK and Leon. And, you know, uh, between you and me, Leon didn't want that smoke on the feet at all. So, you know, yeah, you know, it was, it was a good fight. You know, I feel like Barb has a has a way of turning turning up on these guys when they least expect it. You know, we know Barb's got that granite chin. We know he can eat every shot in the book that's been proven time in and time out against Worley Alves, against Sage Norcutt. Those guys both got off to good starts against them. And uh, Barb came back and beat their ass. So, you know, I, I think uh, this one's going to be a little smoother. You know, Jake Ellenberger, he had a good run. And it's, you know, it's over. And it's been over for a long time. You know, the guy just, uh, he thinks too much. He's a shell of himself. Uh, I mean, the guy's delirious. He's destitute. I mean, just look at the comments he said earlier this week. The guy's uh, delusional. You know, disregarding the, the, the last knee that he took against Ben Saunders, I mean, the guy just doesn't pull the trigger. You know, I don't think the right hand has the same effect that it once did. I mean, Ben Saunders ate his right hand and didn't wobble. So, you know, uh, I know for a fact Barb's going to eat that right hand. And like I said, uh, Barb Barbarina does his job a lot, man. Uh, this guy doesn't get enough credit, man. Uh, I know he's got, you know, an, uh, an ugly record, but this guy's had a, a tougher road at 170 than a lot of people realize man the situations that he's been put in you know he's gone into hometowns and won you know and he's going into another guy's hometown here i think uh the result's going to be a ko like i said jake had a great run you know but um like I said, I, I just think one is chin shot. I don't think he believes in himself. And whether he wants to or not, I think Barb's going to give him the way out. I think Barb's going to show him the way out. Barb's a master of war. Barb loves when things get ugly and bloody, and Jake doesn't. So, you know, I think this is going to be easier than Mike Perry, the Mike Perry-Jake fight. I think this is going to be easier than, you know, uh, than uh, Jorge. Than, than Jorge, you know, I, but – if Jake wants the war, Barb's the exact guy that will give him a war, and we'll see we'll see where, where Jake really wants to go. But like I said, I think Jake's uh, delirious, man. I, I think he's had enough. Um, you know, I just think uh, you know people are saying you know if, if Jake uh, wants to take him down, Jake doesn't hold top position for too long, man. You know, he took Perry down, Perry got right back up, and we seen we seen what happened with uh, Colby. He took Barbarina down, he got back up every single time. You know, he, he got taken back down again, but I don't think Jake Ellenberger's capable of that. Like I said, Jake had a good run, but I think this is his last fight in the UFC, and I think Barb uh, knocks him out or shows him the way out. Yeah, I mean, look, which Jake Ellenberger story do I got to tell this time? Do I got to tell the yes Jake story for the millionth time, or do I got to talk about uh, how I was in attendance when uh, he died against Mike Perry, and it was a uh, very fucking scary. But look, the bottom line is Jake's completely done. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. If he were to come out here and win this fight, it would have to be a fluke KO. But, I mean, who, who's going out there and fluke KOing uh, Barbarina? I mean, Worley Alves couldn't do it. Worley Alves landed everything but the kitchen sink and couldn't put this guy away. Leon Edwards had a result, had a, uh, had to go down to the wrestling, you know, because he didn't want that smoke standing. And uh, between you and me, 
Leon Edwards got knocked out in the second round. You know, if that would have been a, a, a stoppage, if the referee would have stopped that fight, I don't think it would have been too controversial, man. Leon got fucked up. So props to him for surviving that, man. That was a close fight. And the Colby Covington fight. Oh, man, you lost to the best wrestler in the sport or in the division. Oh, man. Should we hold that against him, Shaq? You know what I'm saying? You think Jake Ellenberger has any chance of coming out here and, you know, stringing together takedowns for a 15-minute period? I highly doubt it. I, I just think Jake's coming in here because, you know, the UFC happened to be coming to Nebraska. Jake's on his way out trying to retire. And, look, Jake gets 75K to show, plus 20K Reebok. I mean, come, come take this uh, come take this 95K, take this quick knee, and... You know, be on your way, man. He had a great career. You know, we don't got to talk about him being a USADA victim or anything, even though he is. Uh, just go back and watch his fight with Martin Campman. Look at his physique there. Look at his physique in his last few fights. I mean, even just after the Perry fight, we don't got to talk about some of these other losses. You know, how he took a knee against Robbie Lawler. How his foot gets stuck in the cage against Jorge Masvidal. <laughs> how he took a knee against Ben Saunders. Let's just talk about the Mike Perry fight. After a knockout like that, you don't come back. That's... That's it. It's over. You know, Dan, 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 these things don't get better. They generally get worse. Yeah, and it's uh, going to get worse. I just hope it's not too bad. I, I hope that it's, he takes a knee instead of going unconscious. You know, because last time he went unconscious, dude, bro, when those edibles hit, like, I legit thought he died. So, uh, it, it was a, and I had money on Perry, okay? Like, it, we, we got beyond the celebration, and it got scary. Shit got real as fuck. We didn't know if he was alive. So, I just don't want to see him fight again. Uh, you know, I say that as a gambling man, but look, it's just as a human being, you know, he's got to hang it up. But when you're getting the kind of money he's getting, I understand why it's hard to hang it up, man. Uh, these guys don't know when to say when. That's why I got so much respect for, you know, guys like Chris Lytle, who knew exactly when to hang him up. He knew when to retire. He had one of the best retirements in the history of the sport. So I hope for Jake's sake, just, just take this knee, just quit real quick, get your 95K. Don't risk going unconscious because if he goes unconscious, man. I don't know how long he'll be out for. I got Brian Barbrenna via vicious, brutal KO victory. Now, next up in the women's strawweight division, we got Angela Hill. She's minus 140. The comeback on Courtney Casey is plus 120. Shaq, I got to know, man. Is Courtney Casey about to bust her up on the feet and then go for a flying armbar and lose a split decision? Yeah, you know, I think uh, Courtney Casey, um, I feel like she you know, fight to fight, she continuously gets a little bit more credit than, you know, what she deserves. You know, I think she's a tough girl, but I just think she's got a bad style for that division, man. You know, that division, you got to know how to win on points. Fights generally go to decision. And the judges don't like Courtney Casey, man. She's a flat-footed, you know, power puncher that likes to sit back. And, you know, like I said, the fans, you know, continuously just give her slightly more credit. You know, they, they think she beat Felice Herrick, but when I watched her fight Felice Herrick, I saw Felice Herrick landing continuously left hook after left hook. Uh, I saw Felice Herrick take her down. You know, uh, I mean, Felice Herrick, you know, gave her the fight she wanted. You know, they stood up for at least, in a 15-minute fight, they stood up for at least 14 minutes, just put it that way. Uh, and I thought Felice won every round, to be honest. I thought Felice, uh, you know, mixed up the left hook to the body and to the head, landed overhand rights. I thought Casey uh, just tried to sit back and, swing hooks and uppercuts and it didn't work out she lost another decision you know when she fought uh Aguilar I guess that would be uh or the the random Marcos fight I guess those two would be considered her uh best performances you know the uh firstly you know you know Marcos is uh what we like to refer to as 
an unpredictable uh, head case. I mean, you know, she, I mean, just look at her. I mean, she's got the red hair. I mean, <laughs> the chick. Uh, I mean, if you didn't see her last Instagram post after she lost the hand job, I mean, that that'll that'll explain everything right there. It made it all made sense now of why she, uh, you know, is five hundred. But uh, you know, I just think. Uh, Casey, you know, she's a big move fighter. She's either going to finish you with a big move or she's going to lose a decision, man. So, you know, I think uh, the fans continuously give her credit. You know, whether you think she beat Karate Hadi or not, you know, I, I low-key think she won the fight too. You know, I think uh, in that case, uh, you know, it should have been awarded to the person going to uh, to the uh, going for the subs and attacking off her back. And, you know, I think, you know, Karate Hadi, you know, I, I know she's uh, pretty ranked high, but I mean, God of mercy, like that chick, uh, you know, she's actually stable, but I, I just think she's a snowflake, you know, she's, she's harmless. Oh, don't get me wrong. I love Michelle, you know, uh, <laughs> I love she, Michelle too, <laughs> but she's harmless, you know, um, <laughs> and you know, you know, she's just grabbing those basic singles and, you know, we saw Aguilar do that and dump her every time and. You know, it almost looked like she was going to... Let me interrupt you for a second, because that's a good point. Karate Hottie's not known for going for single legs. She's known for that fucking hip toss. So the fact that she was able to get those single legs on uh, Courtney Casey, that says a lot, in my opinion, Shaq. Because going into that fight, we were like, well, she's not really known for singles and doubles. Well, I guess Courtney Casey, she was known for that. Exactly. And, you know, and the fact that, like, like, you know, I know she beat, she fucked Aguilar up. But, I mean, you know, anyone, if... you know, if Aguilar wasn't in that state, she was, I don't know what the fuck Aguilar was doing that night, but like anyone else would have just rode out top position on that. And she would have lost another close decision there. She gave up like fucking over five takedowns. So, and you know, uh, like I said on the feet, she just likes to sit back. She doesn't really, you know, the lab, everyone from the lab generally throws calf kicks. I mean, she's kind of incorporating it a little bit, but in my opinion, they're soft. You know, she just likes to sit back and all she throws is hooks and uppercuts. And, you know, she thinks she wins every fight. You know, she's a, what I like to call a split decision crier. You know, oh, I won. I won this. <laughs> <laughs> You know, uh, you know, like I said, she gets too much credit from the fans. You know, she gets chance after chance after chance, and uh, it generally doesn't pan out. You know, so the the Karate Hadi fight, you know, it almost looked like she was going to knock Karate Hadi out, but she went to her back. Now, in this fight with Hill, Hill really doesn't utilize wrestling like that. We know Hill uh, likes to stay off the ground as much as possible, but I think Hill's come a long way, man, you know. I mean, this chick was 1-0, bro, and she got fucking fed right into the Carla Esparza's, the Rose Nama Eunice's, the Tisha Torres's, and uh, she had to survive, and, you know, she got cut. I mean, and, you know, it is what it is, and, you know, she did. She worked her way back here. She, you know, even though I thought the uh, the, the Souza fight could have went either way, she got her hand raised, you know. She's uh, she's 5-3 and three when fights go to decision, you know, and two of those are against Andrade and uh, Tisha Torres, chicks that... Uh, well, I know Tisha's lost her last two fights by decision, but we know what uh, Tisha Yo, does. And yeah, we know what Tisha does when she fights the uh, top five. So, but everyone else, Tisha ain't losing no decisions against. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> so, you know, I feel like Kill. You know, um, I think she's the faster fighter here. I know Casey's got a little bit of size on her, but I think uh, as the fight progresses, Casey just sits back and sits back and those hooks and uppercuts and you know she thinks she wins fights so you know uh whether she comes forward or not you know uh i think in this fight i think she's going to be a little slower to pull the trigger because you know the feints and the you know uh 
you know, they've been trying to teach Angela, you know, the, the crew style of movement, you know, the switch steps. And, you know, I thought her loss against Androv was very respectable because, you know, low key, you know, Androv had been developing and Androv's a third, uh, a third degree Taekwondo. She's throwing spinning back kicks and spinning head kicks. Courtney Casey is not capable of those things athletically, in my opinion. I just think she's a tough girl. You know, I, I respect her toughness, but I just think uh, she has a poor style to be successful in this division. I think uh, Angela Hill's going to come out here, be a little sharper you know she's trying to retain a little bit weight I, I did think she was a little bit small for the weight class but you know if Casey was a, a tie-up artist or she had like a, a, a real legitimate double leg then I'd be a little bit worried but I mean she likes to box and you know uh I don't think she she doesn't really throw kicks you know those those are what gave uh Hill a little bit problem a little bit problems in the Andrew fight so I think Hill's gonna win this fight whether it's a 30-27 or 29 on two cards you know i i just think uh the same things are gonna happen here you know i just think uh casey doesn't have enough facets to her game man and uh, i know she's taking this fight on short notice um but i i just don't see really any improvement man you know i think like i said just support style for this division so i got hill uh by decision yeah look i'll just go ahead and say it man i've never been high on either of these two i, I feel like they're both flakes i feel like they're both underperformers but one thing i will say there's a, there's a slight difference because, uh, you know, most chick fights do go to decision, right? Well, uh, Courtney Casey's one in five lifetime when fights go to decision. That is not good for any women's division, especially uh, the one that she's fighting in, man. So, I mean, she better come out here and finish Angela Hill, right? Or, or hope to go two and five when fights go to, to the scorecards. But one thing I got to say about Angela Hill, uh, I'll give her a lot of respect, man. Uh, she got fed to the wolves from the jump. She paid her dues. And I think now, even though I don't see her being a top five, top ten, anything like that, I do think that she's actually uh, made leaps and bounds in, in her overall game. You know, she's found ways to keep the fight standing and use her Muay Thai game. I do think she's kind of slow. I do think, I don't know if she's kind of small for the weight class. I know she put on size in, in that Marina Moreau's fight, but it just, uh, I don't know, man. She's kind of slow and plodding for me, even though she tries to do that movement. And with Courtney Casey, uh, you know, she'll fuck up Joanne Calderwood on the feet and then go for a, for a flying armbar and lose the decision. So how, how's Courtney Casey going to find a way to fuck this one up too, man? You know what I'm saying? So you can never trust Courtney Casey, even though she's probably the more physical girl here. She's probably got the higher level jujitsu, but this ain't a jujitsu match. You know what I'm saying? So I'm going to go with Angela Hill uh, via decision. And next up in the featherweight division, we got Michael the Menace Johnson. He's minus 130, the comeback on Andre Touchy Feely is plus 110. This is going to be a good old-fashioned scrap, man. Uh, these two are going to stand and bang. It's probably going to go all three rounds, or someone could uh, could hit the deck. So I got to know, man, which way are you leaning? Yeah, you know, Michael uh, falling on hard times, like lost five out of his last six, I think. You know, I think that Khabib fight uh, was, you know, really bad. You know, I felt like that fight could have got stopped, and I felt like, you know, he got some years taken off his life because of that fight. You could have got stopped. Yeah, ground and pound, you mean. Yeah, um... Then, you know, the fight after that didn't do him any favors either. He got completely broken by uh, Gaethje. But, you know, he does have some solid wins on his resume. Uh, I, th I don't think he's a quitter by any means, even though he kind of is a quitter. But that only comes uh, when it hits the mat, you know. Um, on the feet, I mean, the guy will fight his ass off. He's still got – he pushes the pace. He moves forward the entire time. Uh, Michael Johnson, he likes to come up short on his punches when he fights guys with range. Um, we've seen it in the Benil Dariush fight. I mean, when have you ever seen Benil Dariush sitting back and uh, 
and popping someone's head back. And, you know, a lot of people think that was a robbery, but I respectfully disagree. I thought, uh, you know, it was close, but I, I thought Benil won the fight. So uh, then, you know, he fought the Diaz, the, he fought Diaz, and, you know, same thing, coming up short on his punches, not using his kicks, uh, trying to box a rangy guy, coming up short, you know, around the same height as Philly. And then he fought uh, Dustin Poirier, great fight. He knocked Dustin the fuck out. Um you know, his back was against the wall, and, you know, he came out swinging. You know, I, I think they had some serious beef going in, so I thought he was a, a little bit more motivated for that one. And props to him. He, he floored Dustin out cold. So. And then uh, the Khabib fight, like I mentioned, and then the uh, the Gaethje fight. Those two were really bad, man. And then he comes back against Elkins. And, you know, you could either look at it two ways. You could say, uh, man, he looked great the first round. He was fucking him up. But between you and me, I, I saw the same issues again. You know, I know. I mean, who doesn't fuck up Elkins in the first round, Dan? So, I mean, who? I mean, I'd really like to know who hasn't who hasn't heard Elkins the first round. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, uh, you could either look at it the way I just said, or you know, you could say he was fucking Elkins up the first round. So, um, you know, I saw some of the same issues. You know, I felt like Elkins. Was like even after uh, the little storm, I felt like towards the end of that first round, you could kind of slowly start seeing it. And you know, I felt Elkins was popping his head back with the jab too a little bit, man. Uh, I felt like Elkins came close on a couple of those high kicks as well. And uh, you know, the second the fight hit the mat, and another thing that me and you were talking about early in this week uh, that I really didn't realize. When you actually get Michael Johnson, it's tough to get him to the mat because we know his hips are super fast, but. You know, things are happening uh, that used to not happen to him, you know, and it's happening fight to fight. So, you know, uh, but like you said, when you actually do get this guy to the mat, he really doesn't get back up. <laughs> and then that's just a fact. I mean, I mean, that's dating back to Miles Jury uh, way back in the day. Uh, Paul Sass, uh, Riza Madadi, uh, Elkins, Khabib, um, you know, so uh, it is, but now Philly, on the other hand, you know, he had that reputation as a guy that can't win two fights in a row. Uh, you know, I felt like he was a little bit, uh, they didn't know really what his style was. You know, they kind of, when he first started, made him feel like he had to be a striker. But in my opinion, you know, he's a well-rounded fighter that can do everything. You know, I feel like he's got some of the best reactionary takedowns in the game. And I feel like that's a little better in this fight because I feel like if you go and just try to shoot regular doubles on Michael Johnson, you know, he's going to stuff those. I feel like you have to, you know, reactionary time it, you know, uh, get him moving forward and then just duck under. So I feel like Philly's takedown game is going to suit uh, you know, against Michael a little better than a, a lot of other guys take down games like Benil, you know, who was shooting from too far out or, you know, these other guys. So uh, on the feet, as far as that concerns, you know, Philly's got a good stick with a jab. But, you know, he does like to get hit with the straight left at times. You know, he's got that tall man defense. Now, you could either look at it two ways. You know, I think uh, tall guys, when they get hit, it looks really bad. You know, but, you know, he does get hit, and I think he's got a solid chin. You know, Artem tested that chin, and he was fine. Uh, yeah, yeah, Rodriguez tested that chin. I know he got knocked out, but, I mean, what's Michael going to do? Throw a, a jumping, spinning kick to the head, <laughs> you know? So, uh, you know, it's going to be a good fight. You know, every time Philly fights Southpaws, he uh, generally floors them with right highs. You know, dating back to the Mowgli Benitez days, he floored that guy with the right head kick. And when he fought Artem, who's another Southpaw, he floored him with a head kick. So, you know, I think this one's going to be a little tougher. You know, I'm not going to say MJ's done like some other people are saying. I, I still think he's got heart, at least when it comes to stand-up fighting. Um, but if this fight hits the mat, like you were telling me this week, when you get Michael to the floor, it's pretty much over, man. So... Uh, 
I know he's desperate. I know he needs a win. I mean, I, he, I saw an article where he said he needs this win for his sanity. So, uh, I mean, we've seen him in the past, you know, with his back against the wall, you know, come out. But his back was against the wall for his last one. So, And he got taken down straight up for the first time. So it's uh, it's going to be interesting. I'm, I'm leaning towards Philly. I think Philly's going to win a, a split decision or a close decision. I think it's going to be close. I think both men are going to eat a lot of shots. But I think uh, Johnson's going to come up short on his punches a lot. Um, you know, I feel like Johnson might have a slight edge in cardio, at least when it comes to stand-up fighting. But like I said, he comes up short. He ain't really landing. So it's up, it's really up to those judges to, you know, see what's going up and uh, see what's going on and really see what's going on. And uh, I think Philly's going to edge out a decision. But uh, I don't I wouldn't count Michael out just yet. It's such an interesting fight. You know, just the whole element of it being at 145 pounds. You definitely got to factor that in. But, man, one thing that you and I talked about was, you know, you watch that fight with Michael Johnson and Edson Barboza, and he looks like a fucking future world champion. I mean, he's glowing, the, the size, the physicality, the speed, the hands. He even had a nice blast double at the end of that third round. I mean, the dude put a clinic on Barboza, and then six months later, he fought Benil Dariush, and, you know, for 14 minutes and 30 seconds of that fight, he missed everything he threw. He was swinging at the air. It was not the same guy at all. He looked softer. Uh, I don't know what the fuck happened in those six months, man. You know, what exactly happened? And then the next fight. Yeah, you know, we, uh, Colby Covington said they had some mutual friends, and uh, he, he claims that MJ's a co-kid, so uh, <laughs> maybe that's why. Well, one thing I do know, and this is facts that I can confirm, is that they were not wearing Reebok shorts in the Edson Barboza fight. There was no USADA testing, and then there was his next fight against Benil. So I'm not saying that he's a victim, but... You know, you, put, you, you, you put two and two together, you know what I'm saying? But someone let me know what happened in those six months because it was a completely different guy. Nate Diaz obviously clowned him too. But then against Dustin Poirier, you know, I, I do want to give him his credit for knocking out Poirier because one doesn't simply do that. But, you know, you mentioned to me earlier in the week, Shaq, that you heard an interview with Poirier and Poirier said that he felt like he did all the work for, uh, for Michael Johnson. You want to explain what he meant? Yeah, you know, I mean, uh, like we said with the previous fights before that, you know, uh, when MJ was fighting at range, he was coming up short on everything he threw. Now, we know Dustin has a, at the time, at least had a reputation of being, you know, aggressive, trying to take heads off. And, you know, they were both talking a lot of shit before that, you know, things were being said. And, you know, Dustin let, let uh, the words get to him and he tried to take his head off and it backfired, man. You know, I mean, if you saw the way they were coming into the cage, uh, you know, how they had to be separated. And, you know, there was some... Uh, there was uh, some giving fellatio references uh, <laughs> <laughs> throughout the uh, throughout the uh, pre-fight. So you know, it, 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 you know, like I said, I'm gonna give props to Michael because he's still knocked Dustin out cold. But you know, personally, I, I think uh, Dustin let the words get to him, and you know, Dustin tried to try try to fight him inside the pocket when you know. When he should have watched, if he would have, you know, just been a little more calmer and paid attention to the last two fights, what happened when he fought at range? He missed every shot, so, you know. Absolutely, and that's a great point because people need to understand that, you know, Dustin tried to get right in his face right at the opening bell, and obviously Michael's got that speed advantage, so that was just a that was bad uh, strategy on Dustin Poirier's part, but respect to Michael for getting that knockout. But the reason that I bring that up is because Feely, even though in the past, He's kind of brought a little bit lately. He's actually been playing a really good distance game. And that's why I brought up the Poirier example. Because Poirier got right into the face of Michael Johnson. I don't think Feely's going to do that, man. I think Feely's going to try to run away and land that jab. And then when Michael overcommits to something, that's when Feely can go in and mix in that blast double and get him down. 
And if Michael gets taken out, he's not getting back up. And someone's going to ask me about, you know, the wrestling of Feely and this and that. Look, all I got to say is MMA wrestling's on point, especially his last two fights. You know, he scored nine combined takedowns his last two fights. He's really kind of put it together. You know, people said he couldn't win two in a row. Well, now he has won two in a row. And the reason why is because he finally found out how to, you know, do the fighting style that best suits uh, his. That's to be long and rangy, to kind of run away, to poke that jab and to mix in the takedowns. And if he can do that and stay disciplined and not go down here, I do think that he's a live dog in this spot. That being said, the issue that I have with Feely, you know, I say the issue, but the, th the, the area I think he could get exposed or caught or whatever is that, you know, sometimes when those punches and bunches are coming, that shin does tend to, you know, lift up in the air a little bit. And a guy like Michael Johnson, he's known for throwing punches and bunches. I mean, the guy, they, they call him Blackyow in the gym for a reason. I know we haven't seen Blackyow in a minute, but his back's up against the wall for this. He, he's a desperate man. He needs this so badly. Now, I personally would have liked to see him continue his ways at 155 pounds. I know he's kind of small for the weight class, but I thought that was one of the things that made him so special was that he's smaller, so therefore he's so much faster than everyone. And, you know, you see the wins he's got on his resume. Now, people are going to act like the Tony Ferguson and Edson Barboza wins are irrelevant, but, you know, it was just 2016 that he also beat Dustin Poirier. So, you know, every couple of years he has that one performance where he's like, oh, fuck, like he's still a relevant guy. And then he'll go on to lose his next two fights. So this could be that spot where he comes out here and starts his feeling. It's not going to surprise me. But it also won't surprise me if the fact that this is a different weight class uh, is a big factor here. Because 45 and 55 are, com are two completely different worlds, Shaq. You know this firsthand, my man. So... Just because you're performing great at 55 doesn't mean you're going to perform great at 45. It's just a different frequency. And we've seen a lot of these guys, they try to drop to 45, and it just doesn't work out for them. I feel like you're either a 45 or you're a 55. Or I consider Michael Johnson a 55er, and Andre Feely is super experienced at 45. I mean, Andre Feely was fighting the champion Max Holloway, his second UFC fight. You know what I'm saying, Shaq? So Andre has definitely paid his dues at the weight class. I do see a path to victory for Michael Johnson. He's got to crowd Andre Feely. I know he's going to whiff on a couple of those punches and eat some jabs, but when he finally does land, he's got to put him down. He's got to seal the deal. He's got to finish him. So, man, tough fight to call. I think from a betting perspective, it's dog or pass for sure. You know, maybe take that shot on Feely and find out if he can jab and run and mix in takedowns. But from a pick perspective, I, w I will go with Michael Johnson here. Some, uh, Somebody laid a big bet on Feely not too long ago. It's about to pick him now. So. Oh, shit. Let me see this shit. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I see. I, holy fuck. So as we're recording this podcast, it's Michael Johnson minus 115. Now it's Andre Feely minus 105. So someone did lay a big bet on Feely. And I wish you the best. You know, I, I think at dog money, I think the value was on Feely. Just from a pure pick perspective, I'm going to go with Michael Johnson, though. But uh, I, I wish everyone taking that shot the best of luck. Main event time. Lightweight division. Pivotal matchup right here. Justin the Highlight Gaethje. He's a plus 130 dog to James the Texecutioner Vic, who's a minus 150 favorite. Now, uh, if you go back and you listen to my breakdown of Dustin Poirier versus Justin Gaethje, I predicted that this would be Justin Gaethje and James Vic's next fight. I said that after Justin Gaethje takes this knockout loss to Dustin Poirier, he'll be 1-2 in the UFC, and then he'll have to fight James Vic in a main event. So I got to know, man, which way you leaning? Yeah, you know, I think it's a, it's going to be a good fight. You know, you know, I'm really not putting too much uh, emphasis in the uh, trash talk on both sides. I'm putting the emphasis on the punch and kicks. You know, you know, I feel like uh, personally, I feel like um, 
this whole Gaethje taking damage thing, like I said, you can either look at it, uh, like I said in the past, you can look at it two ways. You know, I'm going to look at it at the way of everyone has a specific style. Guys have certain styles, you know. Haniyaya is a jiu-jitsu fighter. Uh, you know, I feel like Gaethje's more of a more advanced, you know, Gritzmacher style. I feel like it's he wants you to try to knock him out. And, you know, if you can, you know, congratulations. If you can't, then, you know, he's most likely going to break you. Now, we know Vic, uh, he's more of a traditional boxer. He's uh, incorporating a lot more kicks into this game, into his game lately with the the, the side kicks to the head and the and the uh, side kicks to the body to score points. And that's one, uh, one thing I like about him. He knows how to score points. You know, but I think Gaethje is going to, I don't think he needs to change every, anything because, you know, personally, I think uh, his style is going to work against a lot of guys, man. You know, I feel like a lot of guys are going to get sucked into trying to knock him out. And, you know, some guys like Dustin Poirier, um, you know, who has the most knockouts in lightweight history are going to, are going to knock him out. You know, um, I thought Dustin won the first two rounds, third round, not going to lie. Uh, Dustin got his ass beat that third round. I mean, there's a, I mean, the, the striking rate with Gaethje, I, I respect him. His, his uh, work rate is incredibly high, man. He, uh, whether you think he takes a lot of damage or not, he will make you work the entire 15 or 25 minutes. Um, you know, the guy was 18 and 0. Yeah, I agree. He, you know, fought guys that, that uh, you know, weren't, uh, weren't UFC level, I guess. But, you know, I think... Uh, to go 18 and 0 is something that needs to be respected at to you know to an extent you know of course but I do agree he did fight some uh some pardon shocks and some uh Buscapes and some uh Melvin Guillards and <laughs> and, th- and things like that so I, I definitely agree with that um but you know I feel like to be honest his UFC stint um I feel like he's experienced more than Vic has um you know I feel like because when he fought MJ MJ was number five coming off you know, a fight with Khabib. He fought Eddie, number three, form, former champion, a guy who's been a champion in everything he's, every promotion he's fought in. And he fought, uh, he got knocked out by Poirier, who's on the path to a title shot right now. So even though he's uh, hasn't really necessarily beaten uh, those guys, I, I feel like he's experienced a higher level than Vic. Um, Vic's got some solid wins. He knocked out Joe Duffy, you know. Um, he beat Polo Reyes, uh, Trujillo, uh, Trinaldo. So those those are some good wins. Jake Matthews, Nick. his uh, his resume is solid, man. Um, personally, you know, I think uh, he, you know, is a very good chance he could catch uh, Gaethje up with some, something, you know, up the middle, a knee, an uppercut, something like that, because we know uh, Gaethje likes to duck his head down to uh, throw that low kick to put some whip on it. But, uh, you know, uh like I said, you know, I'm not going to rag on Gaethje too much, man. I got a lot of respect for the guy. Um, you know, I think uh, I've never seen Gaethje really fight at range. <laughs> Pretty much all his fights are in front of you in the phone book. But at the same time, he ain't never fought no one that's 6'3". So it's kind of it's kind of hard to gauge, you know. And I also feel uh, Vic is a Vic's a riser to the occasion, you know. he uh, The Joe Duffy fight, he was a big underdog and people were saying he was going to get knocked out and this and that. And, you know, he ended up, uh, flooring, flooring, uh, Joe Duffy, but I definitely have some concerns. You know, uh, I, I noticed that, uh, Joe Duffy, when he low kicked him one time is he fell to the ground. Um, you know, 
And, you know, I also feel like, like I said, they're, they're solid wins, but I feel like there's a little mental difference in those guys than there is with Gaethje. I feel like Gaethje's a little bit more willing to sacrifice himself. Like, like I said, I respect those wins, but no offense to Joe Duffy, but like, what the fuck has Joe Duffy ever done? You know, he's been a bunch of snowflakes. Uh, he finished Conor McGregor. <laughs> yeah, you know, congrats to him. Let's act like that's the same Conor McGregor, you know. <laughs> um, um, you know, he, he beat Polarez. I think Polarez hits hard, but, you know, Polarez will never touch that top 15 in his life. Uh, you know, Trinaldo is probably, you know, his best win. Trinaldo's 40 years old. Great win, you know, but I, I thought he progressively slowed down from the end of the first round, you know, second round, you know, the, the side kicks of the body. But personally, I don't think uh, those techniques are going to be effective here. You know, I think uh, this fight's going to be contested in a phone booth. And I, I do have concerns that Vic can fight in a, in a phone booth at a high rate. You know, I know he's going to crack Gaethje several times, but I feel like the uh, – I'm not sure if his legs are strong enough as the guy – at least the last two guys uh, Gaethje's fought. And uh, I feel like uh, – I feel like, you know, if the fight ends early, it's probably going to go Vic's way. But I, I do think if the fight gets extended – it's going to go Gaethje's way. So, you know, I am leaning Gaethje's way. I, I'm, I'm going to say Gaethje by, like, fourth or fourth or fifth round TKO. Um, I don't think he needs to use his wrestling at all. I think that's a bunch of bullshit. Um, like I said, I wouldn't be shocked if Vic caught him with something up the middle. But I, I personally, I don't think Vic's going to be able to keep the uh, high rate needed to uh, win this fight. You know, I think, you know, he could definitely catch him with something. But if he doesn't catch him... Um, I think it's going to go Gagey's way. I think Dustin Poirier had to throw over 300 punches to get this motherfucker down. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I think uh, I think the kid was 18-0, and 0 and he lost to Eddie Alvarez, you know, a, a, a former world champion in a great fight. You know, he, the issue with that fight is he, he slowed down a little bit. You know, he kind of gassed up, you know. And I feel like he made the adjustment his next fight because, as you can see, he was kind of starting to build up a little bit. But he got knocked out, so. You know, it's going to be interesting. Um, but Dustin play was throwing six and seven punch combinations, you know, consistently throughout the fight. So, you know, it's a tough fight. It's 50-50 for me. I, I slightly lean Gaethje. But uh, it's going to be a great fight. But I'm going to take Gaethje by KO. It's a great fight. You know, one thing I like about Gaethje is I like the fact that he's not afraid to leg kick southpaws, you know. We talk about his leg kicks, and they're awesome. But, you know, you don't often see guys going out there from the orthodox stance and fucking piling up leg kicks on southpaw. So I really like that. I also like in the clinch, uh, his uppercut, his overhand. Super exciting guy. You know, uh, he's eaten more head strikes in his three UFC fights than Vic has in all ten of his UFC fights. And, you know, people have questions, you know, because Vic's last few fights, even though he highlight real three guys in a row before the Trinaldo fight, but... People do think he's a bit of a point fighter, and he is very good at winning decisions. But uh, let's not forget about uh, his second UFC fight when he went in there with a juiced-up Novo and Yao guy. They went toe-to-toe. They did have a real war. He did have to check leg kicks, so and he did have to have his heart tested. I mean, his shin fractured in the first round, and he still went out there and won the decision, got 130-27. So I know Vic can dig deep if he needs to. Also, look at his one UFC loss. I mean, the guy got dropped. The ground and pound was vicious. He could have just covered up and let the ref intervene, but he gets back up to his feet, even lands a hard knee in the clinch. Uh, but eventually, uh, you know, he was too rocked to recover, and Benil put the finishing touches on him. But Vic's heart 
is not in question for me at all. I know this guy's a dog, and I mean, you know, just go back to the Ultimate Fighter, watch his fucking fight with Proctor if you want to see uh, him get into a brawl, or f- watch his fight with Lazaro too. But now it's a step up in competition. I, I know I brought up a-, a couple dudes that aren't in the UFC, but so what? Gaethje was fighting a bunch of bums too, so you know, it, it is what it is. Now we can talk about the the Poirier and Alvarez fights. They were both incredible fights. Uh, Eddie Alvarez and Poirier both beat him at his own game. They both beat him in a brawl, and they both uh, they had to throw serious volume, both of them, to beat him, which was really interesting. And I feel like uh, Vic's fight with Trinaldo, you know, firstly, his physique after the Benil fight, man, he's definitely put on a lot of size, and I feel like his weight cuts went smoother the three fights after the Benil fight. But then uh, something was up with the Trinaldo fight. I mean, I, I kind of know the deal. There was an injury going on, but, you know, we're not going to make excuses. Trinaldo's a guy that had an eight-fight win streak in the UFC. Trinaldo's a guy that finished Paul Felder. Trinaldo is a super tough dude. So, you know, props to Trinaldo for going out there and giving Vic a tough fight, even though Vic still outstruck him 3-1, to one, knocked him down, even took him down. So, you know, it was what it was. But as far as this matchup's concerned, and I noticed Joe Duffy, even Polar Race, they, they all did land leg kicks on uh, Vic, but I feel like Vic was more concerned about those dudes' hands. We know Joe Duffy and Polo both hit like trucks. I feel like the camp here was tailored around the leg kicks. You got a guy like Sodiq Yusuf kicking your legs every single day. I feel like that will condition you. And plus, uh, you know, the checks, the counters. I know he's been practicing those, so... You know, it'd be interesting to see if Gaethje can slow down the movement by piling up those leg kicks and then turning it into that phone booth fight that you were referring to. But I don't have questions about if Vic can fight in a phone booth. Just go watch the Lazaro fight. He can be in a serious three-round brawl. So, And this is a five-round fight. The question I have actually is, is Gaethje, and I do question the damage meter because, you know, I, I know he fought two great guys, but hey, those two great guys gave him a fucking serious concussion, man. And uh, those two guys set significant strike records on this guy's face, man. So, you know, that shit really happened. And uh, Vic doesn't really take that much damage. You know, he, had, he won 9 out of 10 fights. Look, let, let him take that one loss. You know what I'm saying? 90% win rate. So now, now we got to take a step up in competition. It's a great fight. I think uh, one thing I noticed in Gaethje's fights is that his hands are on his legs by the second round in almost all these fights. He, he does have a bit of a gas tank issue, but he doesn't have a heart issue at all. He will dig deep. And in that third round against Poirier, you know, he did land some nice kicks. Poirier was starting to slow down. But Poirier, man, Poirier timed those leg kicks so nicely with his counters. And then by the fourth round, he had that straight left on point, landed it in under a minute, put him out. And now uh, Gaethje's coming back without hardly any time off. And he's got this, t- this tough matchup in Vic, a guy who I don't believe is going to come out here and brawl with him. I believe he's going to try to pick him apart and then land a big shot as Gaethje tries to take a risk to finish the fight. However, worst case scenario, if it does turn into a brawl, I do have proof and evidence that Vic is more than capable of winning a brawl and that he does have serious heart and that he can overcome adversity. I don't see this being like the Trinaldo fight. You know, Trinaldo's a southpaw, and I'll, I will go on record and say that historically, southpaws have given Vic his toughest matchups to date. That's just facts. So, man, I know he knows how to check kicks, bro. Look, watch the Lazaro fight where uh, he actually was preparing the check kicks. I know against, against like I said, against Joe Duffy and, and Pola, the, mo- the thing you're most worried about with those two guys is their punching power. So I don't think he was, fo- he was focusing too much on the kicks there. But I think with this guy, Gaethje, he, know- he knows what's coming, and he's prepared specific techniques. I think he's going to have the right game plan. I think he's going to catch Gaethje somewhere along the way. I'm going to go with a third-round knockout. 
And I think that uh, this will be one of many main events for James Vick. And even though Gaethje's going to get off to a 1-3 and three start in his UFC career, I, I look forward to seeing him come back and beat some other dudes because I know he's going to break guys in there, man. I know how good Gaethje is. He's one of the most exciting guys to watch. I, I love watching Justin Gaethje fight, but I think this is a bad matchup for him. And I, I think he takes an L here, and I wish him the best moving forward, but I think this night will belong to the Texecutioner Vic. Well, now we got to hit up Kyle Marley for the Big Marley Minute. Kyle Marley, how's it going, man? Not bad, man. Glad this break is over and we have some UFC back in our lives. Yes, sir. It's time to get down to business. The Big Marley Minute is back. And uh, what a way to kick things off after this break, this main event between James Vick and Justin Gaethje. I mean, these two have been going back and forth. This, this fight's been a long time coming. Now they're finally going to meet. Uh, which way are you going? I'm going to have to go with your boy Vic here. Uh, man, the the punishment Gaethje has just been taking his whole career is just so insane. And it we knew it was going to give away at some point. And I think Vic just has a good style to put him away eventually with his length and his solid boxing. Uh, he also has a solid ground game as well. If Gaethje finally did decide to use his wrestling. Uh, so I think you got to lean Vic in pretty much every area except for output i mean nobody puts out as much output as justin gaethje um but at the same time that's going to help vic as well because vic's not just going to stand there and take the punishment he's going to be punching back gaethje absorbs over 10 punches per minute uh and he only lands less than nine so that's going to up vic's uh, aggression as well so this is just a clear stack in cash in my opinion i'm gonna have both guys in gbps for sure but right now I'm leaning up James Vick to win, and I think I'm going to be a little bit higher on him in GPPs as well because I do think Gaethje will be pretty popular. When you think about this matchup, do you think Gaethje's best chance is to land a big overhand and try to knock Vick out, or do you think it's to chop him down with the leg kicks, maybe even mix in that D1 wrestler? I think he's definitely going to have to start out with those leg kicks. Um, I'd like to see him use some wrestling. He just he never has, so it's kind of, I don't really see it happening here. Uh, so I think he's going to have to get a knockout to win. Uh, I don't see him going five rounds at his pace with Vic. So it's going to have to chop him down and get that knockout. That's Gaethje's plan. And for Vic, have you been impressed with the improvements he's made since his uh, one career setback against Benny? I mean, I've, I've been pretty impressed by Vic for a while. Uh, I've, I've never really thought title contender. But, yeah, he's starting to look like he's getting there. And, I mean, He's just the biggest dude in that division. I don't know how he makes the weight, so he's got that going for him as long as he can keep making the weight, no problem. He makes it because the dude is fucking disciplined. He doesn't play games. But, man, this co-main event between Michael Johnson and Andre Feely, unbelievable fight. You know, I kind of have my reservations about Michael Johnson making 145. I mean, he made it fine the first time. I'm just talking more in terms of the performance side of things, but... I've spoken to some of his teammates, and I hear the dude is one of the hardest workers in the gym. He's been training his ass off, and he's the kind of guy when his back's up against the wall. You've seen how he performs. You saw the Dustin Poirier fight. You've seen some of his big-name wins. Andre Feely uh, finally turned the corner as well. He was the guy that would win one, lose one. Now he's won two in a row. You think he's going to make it three in a row, or do you think Michael Johnson gets back on track? I mean, this is the toughest fight on the card. I think this is pretty much a pick So if I'm just picking a winner here, I'll go ahead and say Johnson, but since it's not pick them on DraftKings, we got prices at Johnson 8700 and Feely at 7500 So that's a $1,200 discount, so give me Feely there on DraftKings because I think it's pretty pick them. This fight could really go either way, and I've gone back and forth on my pick a few times already. 
Uh, right now, I am leaning Johnson. I just think it's going to be harder for him to pay off that $8,700 with a win than it will be for Feely with a win. Um, so let me get that salary savings. I do think Feely will be pretty popular, but I do like him as a play. So Angela Hill's taking on Courtney Casey. And, you know, a lot of people are super confident in Angela Hill. I understand the Courtney Casey fade. You know, she's the kind of chick that will rock you on the feet and then go for that flying arm bar and lose the split. Uh, but that being said, man, you know, when she's on, she has gone out there, finished random Marcos in that first round. Which way are you leaning? I'm leaning towards the dog here. I, th I think I just like Casey's game and aggression more. Uh, but I'm not really confident about that at all. Hill also strikes at a high pace. She can score pretty high with just striking alone. Uh, my issue is that this fight's going to go the distance. Uh, fight goes to the decision is minus 435. Uh, so it's just not a great GPP play on either side, in my opinion. Uh, and if I had to use one, I think I would rather just save the money and go with Casey at 7,700 rather than Hill at 85. Uh, just because the 10X on the 7,700 is just a little bit easier. Uh, and I think it's another pretty pick em fight. Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and pick Casey to win. Take me another dog, dog here, save some money. Uh, and I, I might be fading Hill completely just because 8,500 is going to go the distance. She's going to have to pretty much get a 30-27, I think, to pay that off. Uh, so I'll take Casey. I heard my boy Kyle Marley's never been high on Angela Hill. And honestly, I don't blame you. You know she's got a sub-500 UFC record, right? Yeah, I mean, they both do. But <laughs> I just, I've just i been more impressed with Casey in general. Yeah, no, that's true. I mean, when, when fights go to decision, historically speaking, Courtney Casey is 1-5. So that's not... A very good attribute, but hey, maybe she'll make it two and five with this one. Well, who knows? Uh, I'm excited yeah, we'll to find see. out. But this fight, I'm really excited for because Brian Barberena is taking on Jake Ellenberger. And uh, my, my question here is how quick does Jake Ellenberger take this knee? You think it's going to be in the first round? You think it's going to be under one and a half? You think he might actually last the distance? What's your opinion? I think uh, at Barbarina's price of 9500 you're going to need it to be in the first round for him to pay that off. Um, because I don't see him really going for takedowns. I do think it's going to be a striking battle until one of them gets knocked out, most likely Ellenberger. Uh, so you're really relying on that first round finish at that price tag. I do think he's very capable of it. Could very easily happen. So I'm going to have me some Barbarina, and he's my preferred play here. Um, it's just we really need that first-round knockout for him to pay that price tag off because there's a lot of people under him who could have higher ceilings. Uh, so, man, it's a tough one. It's just I, I think uh, Ellenberger's pretty much done, though, so it's not going to take much, and it could be first round. And if it is, he'll pay it off. When Kyle Marley calls someone done, you know that they're pretty much all but done because uh, I, I don't often hear you saying those words. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I don't like to, you know – tell fighters that they're done or say that they're done because I'm not in there doing it myself. I don't know. I wouldn't know if I, if I was done or not. You know what I'm saying? You kind of have to believe in yourself, but I don't know. I'm, I'm thinking he's done. He could prove me wrong on Saturday, but we'll see. Yeah, he can prove us wrong. We might not have My, to Although talk. the thing is, Barbarina is not that good of a fighter, so this is his shot to go out on a win, I think. Uh, I just don't think it's a good shot. I mean, he's got the reputation of being this fat slob, but when you think about it, he beat the shit out of Worley Alves in Brazil. He knocked down Leon Edwards. So I'm actually pretty impressed with uh, Brian Barbrenna. Handed Sage Northcutt that first loss inside the octagon. So I know I know he's got the dad bod going, but the dude can fight his ass off. 
Hey, I'm team dad bod, but yeah, I'm just not a big believer yet. I, but it's a great matchup for him, so I don't know. It's it's gonna be fun to watch Stellenberger's hometown. So he's got that whole Nebraska thing going for him. Hopefully, he can go out on a retirement win for you know his sake and revenge his brother's loss. But that's gonna be a tough task, man. I'm gonna have to say Barbarina uh, mid first round finish. So one of the fights I'm really most intrigued by is this flyweight matchup between Davison Figueroa. And John Moraga, I mean, this kid Davison, he's massive for the weight class. He's one of the scariest guys. And we know the deal with Moraga. He's a top five gatekeeper. If you can't beat John Moraga, you're not going to touch that top five. But he's the benchmark test. Do you think Davison's going to pass this test or do you think he's going to get uh, sent to the back of the line? Uh, yeah, I like Davison here. I do think this is going to be a close fight, a uh, good tough fight, good task for him. Uh, but I think he'll come out on top, keep his undefeated record going. Um, and I do kind of like him in DraftKings as well, although, man, see, he, and his two of his three wins, he scored over 100 points, but in his win over Brooks, he only scored 45 points. And that's, I mean, that's basically a loss. Uh, you'll have people on this card who are going to lose and score more than 45 points, I'm sure. I'm doubting that's going to happen here because I don't see Moraga going for those kind of takedowns. I think if anyone's getting takedowns here, it's most likely Davison. Uh but I think it is going to be tough for him to get over 100 here against Moraga. I think it's going to be a pretty close fight, maybe 29-28. Uh, so I'm not in love with Davison on DraftKings, but he is my preferred play. Uh, I think Moraga is probably going to need a finish to score high. I don't see him dominating Davison. Um, but you don't really need him to score too high at 7,800. I think I would just rather go. I'd probably even rather have Casey right below him just because I'm more confident in her getting a win. So Eric Anders is taking on Tim Williams. They got Eric Anders at a 9700 price tag. That's one of the highest price tags I've ever seen, Kyle Marley. I assume he's got to come out here and not just knock this dude out, but knock him the fuck out in the first round. You think he's going to come out here and do that? Yeah, I think he probably will. <laughs> uh, but this is again, this is like Barbarina. I mean, he's priced so high that he has to have that first round finish or else he's not going to pay it off. So I do think he's going to be popular even at 9700 so it could be worth fading him uh, in some tournaments. But I just think the most likely outcome is him getting a first-round finish. So I see him and Barbarina getting over 100 points with the knockdowns and knockouts. So you can really use either one. I'm not sure which one has the higher ceiling. I'm, I'm going to guess – I'm going to say Anders just because I'm more confident in him getting the win, I guess. Uh, but, man, 97 is tough to pay, so – if you can afford them, throw them in there. But if you can't, I think it's cool to fade it. What's the highest price tag you've ever seen on DraftKings? Uh, I'm not sure. I mean, I think this is right around it. Um, I, I think it was Cyborg over Evinger, Evinger, or maybe it was Landsberg or something like that. That was probably the highest I'd seen. But that might have been before they did the whole salary change when they had fighters like over 10000 and shit. Uh, and we only picked five. So it was kind of a different game back then. So I bet 97 is right there at the top. Speaking of which, ever since the change, which one, which format do you like better? Oh, man, I don't know. It's been so long since that first one. I feel like at the start I liked the old one more, but now I'm so used to this that I like the new one. I don't know. I think they could use another format as well. Uh, I think they should do a captain spot uh, where you have one person you pay – uh, a little bit more on their price tag, but you get one and a half <clears throat> uh, their points. Uh, so they have that in other sports. I think that would help a lot in MMA. I think they should just add that in 
And then that would avoid a lot less ties because you're picking one of 26 fighters as your captain. Uh, and you're not going to be picking the same one as the 30 other people that have your lineup. You know what I mean? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So this kid, Corey Sanhagen, he's taking on Yuri Alcantara. He's currently a big favorite. Now, I think the kid's super talented for sure. My, my question is, is it time for uh, that first UFCL? Does he have to take that vet lesson or you think he's going to pass the test here? Dude, I don't know. I was super impressed by his uh, debut. He scored 133 points. Uh, so he's definitely got the ceiling. But Alcantara is no joke. I've always been high on Alcantara. I think on a good day he can he can uh, fight anybody in this division and hang with them. Uh, so I think this is a tough task here. And at $9,000 that you're paying for Sandhagen, uh, man, if you can, again, if you can afford it, I'm cool with it. I, I don't hate him as a play, but I also don't hate Alcantara. I think I'm going to be pretty even on this one though. Uh, Alcantara could get this win for sure. He could beat anybody, like I said. And, uh, Sandhagen's only had one fight in the UFC against Austin Arnett. So it's not really that great of a win, even though he looked amazing doing it. So I, I'd probably rather save the money if I'm going to make one lineup and I'm throwing somebody in this and I'd rather go ahead and take Alcantara. But I'm going to be using both of them in GPPs. Uh, I'll stay away in cash, I'm sure. I mean, between you and me, Kyle, if Yuri Alcantara fought uh, Austin Arnett, he'd also score 130 points. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree. So another really good fight, and I, I say a really good fight. You know, I'm being a little cheeky with it. You know, this fight between Mickey Gall and George Sullivan. What's interesting about it is you see that 9200 price tag next to Mickey Gall's name. And I don't know if you saw his last fight against Randy Brown. I'm sure you did see it. Uh, he got exposed. You know, the kid's not really a UFC caliber fighter. But that said, George Sullivan's one of those guys that runs himself into the ground and always finds a way to lose. You think the experience of George Sullivan will be too much for uh, Mickey Gall? Or do you think he's going to give up that neck and uh, tap, tap, tap? Ah, uh, man. I, see, I don't think this is a good fight. But it is a good fight on DraftKings because if he is going to get Sullivan down, he's probably going to get the finish and tap him out. Um, and if that's the case, he's going to pay off that $9,200 price tag. So I like him for that reason. But like you said, super inexperienced. Uh, Sullivan has a lot more experience. He throws a lot harder. Um, so he could get the knockout. And if he does that at 7,000, he's going to be on the winning team. So, uh, man, it's hard to see Sullivan getting another win in the UFC. But I'm going to have to have at least one shot on him, I'm thinking, because he could get that knockout. Uh but Gall Gall's gonna be my my preferred play here, just because he's he's much more likely to go for the grappling based win, and if he gets it to the ground, I think he will get a finish. Uh, and that's what we want on DraftKings. We want people who are gonna get it on the ground. So I I, I got to go with Gall. I'm not sure how popular he's gonna be though. I think I've heard people say he's gonna be popular, and I've heard people say they don't think he's gonna be popular. So I'm not really sure. I'll probably be. I don't know, underweight to the field, I'm guessing. But I'm going to have a little bit of both these guys. So Joanne Calderwood's taking on Kalindra Faria. The one time we saw Joanne Calderwood at 125, hey, she finished the fight. You don't often see chicks going out there and finishing fights. And with Kalindra Faria, she did her best Courtney Casey impersonation in her last fight where she drops Jessica I with the head kick. And instead of, instead of uh, landing the two follow-up shots that would have finished the fight and won it for her, she decides to drop back for a heel hook and then ends up losing the split decision. Who you got? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go Calderwood. Um, she she did look great against Letourneau. That's probably her best fight I've seen. And she scored 141 points in that fight, which is 
pretty freaking crazy, especially for women. Um, so she's also got that ceiling. I don't really see her getting three takedowns in this fight, but I mean, she could. Uh, I just think she's going to want to keep it on the feet. I don't see her getting a finish. So you're going to need her to get more than 88 points uh, with a standing decision. Uh, so I don't, I don't love her, but I am pretty confident in her getting a win at least. Uh, so I don't hate her in cash games. Uh, I do think she's a decent GPP play. If she's low-owned, uh, it's just going to be hard to get a judge on that. Uh, but I'll, I'll have a couple of her. I'm probably going to fade for real. Last but not least, Drew Dober is fighting John Tuck. And look, Drew Dober has won four of his last five. It seems like he's really starting to get his shit together. But, you know, John Tuck, I know he's a habitual underperformer. And we are, we're always like, man, the kid's talented. But something keeps happening in these fights. You willing to give him one more chance here, Kyle? Or are uh, you going to go with Dober? Uh, man, I think this fight is closer than the line suggests. Um, so I do kind of like Tuck, especially at 7,300, because I could see him getting a win here. Uh, I just don't see him scoring super high. I don't really think he's going to get a finish. I think if he wins, it's probably by a decision. So, uh, he's only got to pay off 7,300, which is doable in a decision. Uh, I'm just not super interested in him because, uh, it's going to be tough to get that decision. And if he does, it's still probably going to be somewhat low scoring. Uh, but Dober, man, he's, he's just one of those guys that I never, I never really draft for some reason. Uh, and he's burned me a few times. Uh, but I'm probably just going to go back to that, uh, Dober fade and 8,900, man, it's just too much for me to pay. It, Cause I am kind of a tuck believer. I mean, I'm not a big Dober believer either. So it's, it's just closer to an even fight in my opinion. So I'd rather save the money. Uh, but again, man, I could be burned. It's happened before. So if, if you think I'm wrong, roster some Dober. Well, I mean, look, the good news is that he's not fighting Josh Berkman or, you know, who, who, who are these other guys he's been fighting? You know what I'm saying? Uh, th- th- this ain't J.C. Cottrell or Josh Berkman is all I got to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think I don't see him getting over 100 here. But, man, like I said, I, I didn't think he was going to get over 100 in those other ones. So maybe I'm just off on my Dober picking. But I'm going to stick to my to my usual fade of DraftKings Dober. Uh, and hope that he doesn't go for takedowns, and this is a standing fight. Well, Kyle, that is why you are the DraftKings guy for half the battle, man. It's going on this Saturday. The fans can follow you at Big Marley 3. Kyle, we're going to have some big announcements soon, but until then, man, uh, they better follow you. They better hit you up for those head-to-heads, hit you up for that ride-up, and uh, let's get this win, man. Yes, sir. Good luck this weekend. Uh, Hit me up on Twitter. My ride-up will be posted there, only $7.99. Good luck to you and everybody listening. Yes, sir. Kyle, we'll speak soon, my man. All right, let's get it. Kyle Marley with the hard-hitting DraftKings analysis. Now, Shaq, we got to talk about the fight to watch and the fighter to watch. So what is the fight to watch for UFC Lincoln? Um, my fight to watch is going to be Davison versus Moraga. You know, I think uh, Moraga, like we said in the past, he's handed out a lot of people their first L's, and uh, Davison's one of the top prospects in the division. And I mean, if he can get this win, I mean, he's instantly right into title contention at flyweight. I mean, you got to put him in a big fight if he gets this one, and then he'd move up to what 15 and 0. So that's my fight to watch. I love uh, Moraga's fighting style, and uh, I'm interested to see if Davison can uh, pull out the weasel tactics. Yeah, I mean, obviously that's one of the fights to watch. It's going to be incredible. I can't wait to see where exactly Davison lies or stands in that flyweight division as of right now. And for me, it's a similar matchup, you know, a prospect versus a a vet, except it's up a weight class at 35. For me, the fight to watch is Corey Sanhagen versus Yuri Alcantara. Look, this kid Corey Sanhagen showed a lot of promise in his UFC debut, albeit against a total bum, but so what? 
the way he styled on him was absolutely serious. But now he's got to step up in competition against a guy in Yuri who's literally been in there with everyone. He's been in the UFC for a very, very long time. And either guy getting this win is going to be huge for their careers. And either guy taking this setback is going to be really bad. So Yuri versus Corey is my fight to watch, Shaq. Now, Shaq, who is your fighter to watch for UFC Lincoln? Uh, my fighter to watch is going to be, uh, I'm going to say, uh, Andre Feely, man. You know, he had that reputation you know, of not winning, you know, two in a row. Now he's possibly on the verge of winning three in a row. And, you know, this fight, uh, even though Michael, you know, has lost five out of his six, it's uh, it's still a big deal when you beat Michael Johnson. So, you know, uh, this would be a big one for his resume. And, you know, this could possibly be three wins in a row. And, I mean, this guy's already beaten two top 15 guys and he's still not ranked. So, uh, if he wins this one, he's definitely got to be ranked. Yeah, 100%. And look, my fighter to watch is uh, the main event fighter, James the Executioner Vic. You know, this is a massive step up in competition, at least on paper, compared to the last couple guys he's been fighting. And, and in terms of the rankings as well, it's his first main event. You know, the guys had 10 UFC fights, had four fights on the Ultimate Fighter. So he's paid his dues inside that octagon, but now it's time to put that all to the test because, look, all these accolades, all these credentials, that's only on paper, Shaq. Now he's got to step inside the UFC's octagon at the Pinnacle Bank Center in Lincoln, Nebraska, in his first main event. The pressure, the media, everything, the fans, Justin Gaethje's leg kicks. This is going to be a serious test. And if he passes this test, we're looking at a potential top five guy and potential title challenger in the UFC's most talent-stacked division. And, I mean, we're looking at guys like Khabib. We're looking at guys like Conor McGregor, Tony Ferguson, Dustin the Diamond Poirier. If Vic gets this win, he's going to be right up there with those guys. So, And he'll be 10-1 in the UFC, which is more wins than Conor McGregor has and more wins than Yoel Romero has. So James Vic is my fighter to watch, Shaq. Well, Shaq, we did it. It's going down this Saturday, UFC Lincoln. It's going to be an incredible card. And, uh, man, I'm looking forward to getting a big win this weekend, my man. Yeah, 100%, man. It's going down Lincoln, Nebraska. Go ahead and email us at bestfightpicks.com, and we're going to get the job done this weekend. And uh, it's going to be a great card, man. I'm super pumped up for that main event, and I'm pumped up for the undercard as well. So, Yeah, absolutely. Going to be a great one. And then after this, we got a break. Then after that, I hear it's a long, long stretch of fights to close out the year. So I'm really looking forward to that, man. Uh, some, some great fights on the horizon, you know, some, some fights still that they haven't announced yet that are going to be super, super serious. Uh, I hear my boy uh, Johnny Bones Jones might be making that return to MSG, possibly against Alexander Gustafsson for the interim title. We'll find out what happens, so I'm excited about that. Fans can follow me at Best Fight Picks, follow Shaq at MMAGenius05, follow our Instagram at Best Fight Picks Official, subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Stitcher, hook up those five-star reviews on iTunes, Sign up to Best Fight Picks at bestfightpicks.com. And until the next time, let's cash these bets.